Yeah, for sure, from Sweden. I got a heart full of pride And you can never take the pride away from me That feeling makes me full of strength Makes me wanna live and fight for what I am I got a flame in my heart that never dies I got a heart full of pride I got a flame in my heart that never dies I got a heart full of pride Welcome to Tales from the East End, episode 61, and it's me, Gary Parsons, and of course, the Prof, Carl Riley. Hello. So I'm back from my uh, exile, my two weeks off, and uh, I'm going to start by putting Jim Toner and Owen Royce on the list of hatred. <laughs> so the two lads replaced me for the last two weeks, but I'm not taking any prisoners. I thought you could make it a regular feature. <laughs> Guest host, no Gary. So in Johnny Blues, we have Aidan Price, still the only man to win the fourth division and the Premier League. And uh, he's the current under-19s manager. And we have Andy Moyler, ex-Rover striker and coach who's on Michael Neal's backroom staff as well. So you're very welcome to Johnny Blues, lads. Thanks, Thanks very much. So what do you make of the memorabilia on the walls? Any of it look familiar? It's impressive. Yeah, it is very impressive, yeah. I have to say. Like. One thing we always talk about was a C, the famous C from Linfield. Which was thrown at us by PS and I officers <laughs> right, yeah, at the Linfield good, game yeah. up there. And we <laughs> That's had our story, we're sticking to it. The famous uh, 2 1, first ever derby in Tala, signed by Mr. Twig himself, and Del Piero on the walls, and all sorts of memorabilia. We're going to have to redecorate soon enough as well. We'll have to go for the green and white hoops on the walls. Oh, really impressive, very nice. So it's our 2006 Force Division special today, and the two lads made their Rovers debuts that season, and they were involved in some big. European Knights as well so we're going to review the AIK game it's how I look forward to the trip to Stockholm for the second leg there's an interview with Tony Doran all the way from Oldham cousins dozens on the forum as you may know him. and uh, the forum is down again unfortunately hopefully just, we'll get it back up and running just in time for Europe just in time for Europe could be a good thing but of course we're still sponsored by the Penny Hill Kerry Out we're sponsored by Peachtree East and of course Flagman Ireland so we have plenty of sponsors still backing us and uh, Penny Hill has a supplied some lovely gargles today we're on the Brazilian beard again prof not yet we're not it's cooling kidding. in the fridge at the minute uh, we'll try and get the lads involved soon I'm sure they might happen <laughs> and like I said I'm just back from my holiday so uh, I'm not going to thank the lads they're on the list of hatred so <laughs> that's that I'm going to be bitter about it okay. no no not fair they did a great job they were fantastic and filling in and uh, once again we probably will have them in for maybe an end of season special or a start of season special and what did James Lowe say James Lowe, oh, I don't know, I think I lost that tweet there, Prof, I think I lost that one. Well, James Lowe said, really loving the guest shows and the host, said, sorry Gary. Yeah. Listeners went up uh, 5%, Gary. 5%, I, I want to so see the stats, go. I don't believe yeah. it at all. Yeah. I don't believe that at all, I want to see the stats. Uh, Jim Toner, by the way, he says hello to, to Aidan and asks how are Jerry and Nisley. Keep him well, keep him well, yeah. There you go. Yeah, big Jim, he's, uh, he's one of the most prominent hoops out there, isn't he? Yeah. He loves it, he loves an old tweet. And I know uh, Andy's family are all... Rowers fans, but what's our teams were were you supporting growing up? 
Yeah, I was Shamrock Rovers. I used to yeah. go to RDS and stuff, uh, Vinnie Arkins and stuff like that. Like ah, they were always uh, around those times. Yeah, so they're impressive times. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Andy? Yeah, so going? we've been a long time Rovers fans all the way from Milltown. Uh, my dad would have started us all off. I think his dad was a Rovers fan as well. So um, yeah, we used to stand in Milltown beside fellas who we still see at Rovers games now. McCabe family, Alan McCabe, I think. Oh yeah, his dad was called Benny McCabe. Uh, so yeah, always been Rovers fans. Still a Rovers fan. Right, so first of all, we're going to hear uh, Andy's review of Thursday night. Andy, what do you think? Well, it was a bit hit and miss for me, to be honest. Um, I was expecting more at the start. Didn't really catch fire, to be honest, until the last maybe five, ten minutes. Faded away, did it? Faded away badly, actually. And uh, came back around and sort of, you know, nearly got something out of it in the end, but didn't really. It was... It was Overall, when you're looking back in the whole 90 minutes of it, it was probably poor enough. So, so just to clarify, what, what are you reviewing there? The, the Bureau of Mars concert? We're talking about <laughs> no, no, uh, talking about the AOK game, Andy, sorry. But <laughs> we'll just move on swiftly now. Um, yeah. Before the game, we were selling our badges at the West Stand, and it was on a big yellow plate. We had our own little stall, but the thing is, we, we, we fucked up because I presumed that the East End Hornstall wasn't going to be open so I said we'll hit the West End everybody will be coming in from that direction and then, then halfway through <laughs> I looked over and everybody was cramming in and the Ultras took all our customers so uh, looked like we, you were hosting a barbecue there it right? did yeah <laughs> look at they kissed me quick um, yeah so we're, we still have plenty of badges there and we'll probably bring them to Stockholm and uh, try and knock a few off to some, some rich Swedish ooh, for fans. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, sounds promising. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so a uh, new European team, the 1899 Sweet Heritage Collection on display. I noticed that to my right. It was the Munich yeah. one, which was a fantastic addition. 60 It looks fantastic as well. Now, so yeah. uh, credit to whoever put that together. It's really well done. And it was a, it's, it's a nice memento. And of course, we had Chef Ray in the 1899 with the Swedish meatballs on the menu and the bar. Did you have them, Prof? I did. And uh, how did they go down? Uh, it was lovely. What sauce was the sauce? Thing. We also reviewed food on the show as well. <laughs> we're, we're quite the critics here, but he gorgeous, Prof. What he gorgeous. So uh, <laughs> the Swedes had their own table as well, seeing them milling into the meatballs. So Did you see the tall fella with the curvy See the big mop? I heard him, yeah. Funnily enough, right? I was heading into town. Jaden's working on a shoot out in Ring's End. It's on a TV show called Taken Down, right? So we're over in Ring's End. I ended up having to leave early because traffic was nuts. And when we're on the way in, right, we saw this big, blonde, hulking fella. And I said to the missus, he's big Swedish heading him. Look at him. And he listened to his earphones, sitting in the suite, and he walks in. So we'd seen him (laughs) earlier on in town, walking down the keys. And then yeah. I said, he's a big Swedish head on him, and he went down and sat at the Swedes' table. <laughs> so it was funny enough. Taller than Edo, he was. Ah, he was, he was a good 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> um, yeah, so AIK had a great little following, did a few hundred fans. Loads of them alloys before the game, and the guards escorted them to the stadium. They had their own little choreo walking towards them. So um, there, was, there was a bit of a mob, wasn't there? I was coming back from the airport, and I saw a gang of them. I saw a good dozen or so. And they were all, uh, they, they didn't take too kindly to my insults in the airport. <laughs> so, did you say some Harrowby? Yeah, I was just, I have a few little words in their ear, that was it. But there was a, a, a nice little gang, all right. So we should expect, uh, they should expect it back in, in Stockholm ourselves. Should be a good, a good gang of us as well. Over 150 tickets all so far. So we're looking good. And uh, did you see them with their chance? They were doing, uh, I think it was the YMCA. Did you see what they were doing? 
They had some sort of thing going there was going like this. I'm a little teapot. Yeah, I'm a little teapot. <laughs> but uh, they, they were impressive. They, they weren't meant, as impressive yeah. as Pelk. Pelk no. are still the most impressive fans. Do you remember Pelk? Were you no, I wasn't there. I was yeah. not. Oh, oh, they were hypnotic. Pelk were incredible. Oh, I, I, I went to watch yeah. Pelk. actually spent a week in Pelk. Oh, yeah? By accident. By accident. <laughs> <laughs> went to see Bruno Mars. Went to see Pelk. We went to... Um, Went over with Jim and Jilton to watch Pelt play before oh, we lovely. played them. Oh, yeah. And anyway, me and Jim got there on a the Saturday night. We jumped into the taxi to go down and watch it's Pelt play. It's a sober play. trip, obviously. So I yeah. think we we're coming back. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Um, <laughs> came, we were supposed to play them on the Thursday. So we were going over on the Saturday, supposed to come home on the Sunday. Um, and then go out again the following week. But jumped in a taxi, sat down to the Pelt game. Taxi man was looking at us going, what are you talking about? Mr. Like, Pelt. And he said, you know, Pelks tomorrow. So it ended up, actually, the club had booked us the wrong flights. We oh, were there, we right. were due to come back on Sunday. So I ended up having to stay over. Because I think Magilton was actually going back for a, an interview for the Portsmouth job or something on the, right, the yeah. Sunday. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I ended up having to stay in Pelk, uh, in Thessalonica, for the, the whole week while so I was you there. you come back and you just came out to meet you? I came out. I was only three-sided chocolate for about <laughs> two days. And then actually Ray Wilson... And Mark Lynch came over a bit early. That was the only bit of relief. But the Greece was in a meltdown. They weren't collecting the rubbish. It was oh, I remember that. I remember that. But, yeah. Uh, what you got? It? Yeah. But the fans, they're something else, aren't they? I, that's what I was going to say. They, yeah. We went to the first game, and they were there for about an hour beforehand. They were absolutely incredible. If you ever got a chance to go to a football game, go to see a Pelt game and yeah. watch them before the game. It was incredible. Else like. An hour beforehand? Incredible. Yeah, no, they were really they, they they were actually, Pelt actually filled the whole tell it away. The whole, the whole thing. Yeah. And we, yeah, okay, we're convinced they didn't, they didn't watch the game because yeah. we barely watched it because we were watching them and they had one guy with no top on and he had a megaphone, conductor type guy. He didn't watch the game once. His mm. back was torn. He was just making sure they were doing what they were told. Yeah. It was like, it was it was military at times because mm. he'd spot people man. who weren't doing things. We're like, right, you get the yeah. fuck, get your finger out. It was brilliant. But uh, we'll talk about our jerseys. We had the patch on the back for our names and numbers, which I think is a regulation for European games, isn't it? We wouldn't have been able to have the gold What's numbers the and names on the hoops. So, so you have, have to have a, have a white patch, square. White square. But you'll see all the European jerseys, they have to be clear back. Like you right. can't have hoops around. And the know. goal, obviously, was a no-no as well for mm. that. Yeah, okay, you had their bumblebee socks. Yeah, it was quite... Uh, reminded me of Dortmund in 96. I'm nearly sure they had bumblebee socks when Rickson scored the winner. Do you remember that against Juve? I think it was a little lob. Oh, yeah. It was a little dink, a little chip. That's what had us infatuated with Dortmund when we were younger. Yeah, okay, mascot no show though. Yeah, giant no. rodent. Giant, yeah, oh yeah, they're called the rats, aren't they as well? Yeah. But that was mostly their ultras, I think. They have another little gang called the Freeman Boys who we won't talk about. Doesn't sound very family fear. friendly, does it? Giant no. rodent up and down the touchline. We've seen some tweets about them lads. I think we'll leave that to the side. Um, yeah, so the game itself lost 1-0. Brazza kept the fate and Gavin Bazunu, so only two changes to the team. Lopez and Brando Kavanaugh were out and Joel Coustron and Dylan Watts made, came in for his debut and a very impressive debut it was. Brando Mille suffering again with another hip injury that put him out to three or four weeks. So the Austrian referee in the middle of the park as well. I actually have referee stats, believe it or not. Go on, give us a couple. Yeah. Nine Dutchmen refereed a Robert's European game. Nine Dutch referees yeah. in our European games? Yeah. Seven Belgians, right. six Frenchmen, and now that's four Austrians. Four Austrians. And what about, what's the most obscure we've had? Have you got that? Uh, I've only kept track of the highest. <laughs> yeah. So, like you said, Brando was out for another couple of weeks again. Um, we uh, had a couple of water breaks as well, impromptu water breaks as well. Didn't feel it was that warm for a water break. Yeah, why were there water breaks? I don't know. It was a strange one. Were they planned? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. 
through injuries. There was it, yeah, there was an injury, right? But it just happened to be around oh. the 2021 minute mark. Dancing dog in the back. This thing's just like this. <laughs> yeah, literally. I was going to say, leave her, I see how long she can go. This is part of the show. She <laughs> doesn't give up. Right, so the first half, um, we were worried about early goals and set pieces. That's one thing that we thought. Where did you think they were? They, they had strength, Ado? Well, when I watched them warming up, it's the first thing that you announced from them was the sheer size. Yeah, see how big your man Henrik Goitem yeah, was? They looked like proper... But I thought, I thought uh, if we controlled that, I thought we would be okay. Like, you know, especially after the first five, ten minutes, I thought, um, technically and stuff like that, I thought we were more than comfortable with them. Yeah, well, I 100% agree. And I, I, I was struggling to see where how they were on top of their league. Like, fair enough, maybe they, they didn't get out a second or... They were sizing those up though, weren't they? Yeah, the definitely for the first yeah. half an hour anyway. Like, you know, yeah. I know towards the end of the first half, they seemed to have a bit more pressure, and especially second half, they seemed to open a little bit more, like, put... I don't think there's anything there for us to fear. Like, you know. We were impressive that first half hour. 100% like, man. We sta- like, excellent. Joel started like a house on fire. Joel was brilliant. We had loads of joy up the right hand side. Ethan Boyle was great too. Yeah, Ethan Boyle, he's coming on in spades, isn't he? And like I said before, no one's winning the 50 50 with him. Headers yeah. or tackles. The guy is a, is a brick shit house. There's, there's no messing around there. He's an athlete. He's well. unbelievable, isn't he? Um, but we had debuts as well. We had Aaron Green coming back on. Now, this is something. Aaron Green's on the list of hatred, so this is this is a bit of a tricky one because yeah. we've been slating him for for a year or two now. He needs a hat trick against both because of his, his history. Yeah. But you know the slate, the slate, yeah, the slate has to be clean because it is history. Like I mean, it goes back to the CY game where in the Leinster Senior Cup where he had a meltdown after he scored the winner and started abusing Rovers fans in the stand right after he scored so this that, that was the one of the main reasons that he was on it and then his petulance towards us in games when we played mm-hmm. him but the sleigh has to be clean now he's a Rovers player there so. were a few boos though I didn't hear I didn't hear it now but I saw people writing yeah no well, like I said the slate is clean now and he did well when he came on held the ball yeah. up well and kept possession so it was he's to burn isn't he yeah he does he's, he's lead and he looks fit yeah. so mm-hmm. had one chance to then he had a shot right yeah yeah he had a couple of shots yeah. on goal we had a couple of those shots on goal from the edge of the box that just went straight to the keeper if they were anywhere else in the goal, we would have had to make him work, and he was he was quite dodgy. He spilled yeah, three, two or three mm-hmm. shots. So wish we had reacted to those. I know, yeah. yeah. But like I said, that's what happens when you play a striker front on his own in Europe. Look at Twig, for instance. Twig has no goals in Europe. It's just a workhorse role, really, isn't it? When you're playing a front on your own against these bigger European teams. So, like we said, Joel was like a house on fire, and he was fantastic, and he has that real pace. It reminds me of Billy Denny. What do you think, Edo? You yeah, play with Billy. Has that yeah, kind of? Yeah, I think he he's a little bit more composed than him. Yeah, Joel seems to the, seems to the play him an awful lot off the right, which seems to suit him as well because like, he takes it into space really well and stuff like. And, um, His natural that, position is what I like. He holds the touchline. Yeah, mm. yeah, something we've been missing in the last year or two was that natural wit. But it was good to see, especially first half, like Joel and Ethan linking well together. Ethan getting up in support and stuff like you know, it definitely was an out ball for us. It's a little bit more natural on the ball, isn't it? Yeah, he I just he so, seems yeah. to take and actually mm. takes it really well in his stride. He mm. steps on to play, doesn't wait for the ball and stuff like you know, it's it's a uh, it is really, and he's prepared to cross with his right foot as well, which is always hmm. something that you see. You know, you have a left foot going out onto the right hand side and stuff. They just always want to come inside mm. where he's he's prepared. Yeah. And he ran him like that boy. That boy. Well, I hear someone tried to their left foot was supposed to be. Someone tried to buy him for six or seven million recently yeah. or something. Yeah, no, I think he kept turning in on his right as well. He's yeah, seen, yeah, he was a right footer, but yeah, yeah. he showed no fear, didn't he? No, just, no, no fear. And that's the way it should be in, the, in yeah. these games. These big Euro He's really come on the last month or so, hasn't he, Andy? Yeah, yeah, no, I've seen, I've seen him a few yeah. times. And I saw him earlier on, I think, in the season, and he looked 
like he was getting used to a bit of the physicality yeah. of it mm. and whatever else like that but you could see he was a nice yeah. player on the ball yeah, yeah. yeah see that's so. it was apparently he was a wonder kid as well he was the the next big thing when he was younger yeah and uh i was only looking back on clips i nearly sure he scored a hat-trick against belgium when he was 16 or 17 yeah so he was the next big thing like some just I think, never I think the goal he got in Limerick there like a couple of weeks back has really yeah. helped him like you know in terms of settling and getting the confidence yeah. because he scored again the week after that like you know so it's always nice for a new player coming into a group to get some goals and yeah definitely I think I think you start in Stockholm as well but uh, it was a, it's, me and the prof certainly thought it was a, a bit of a frustrating night for Danny Carr as well it just sometimes just couldn't get the ball to stick to him and like mm. we said it's a lonely role to play up front on your own in these big games and um but he did he endeavoured and he, he did well at times he had some lovely touches I think in the first half he skinned like two or three in one go and then laid it off and it was it was excellent bit of play but like I said it was it, it didn't stick to him at times he had three fellas on him should I just got a back here early on yeah it was, it was offside yeah. anyway but yeah he had three big lads on him so um but Gavin Bazunu now is our youngest ever player in Europe and made a crucial save on the hour as well and he just looks so confident. You see him skinning the. He, he skinned the striker twice. He he faked he faked him, like it, it was twice, wasn't it? Where he went to kick it and he just took it like uh, a la Ryan Thompson. Remember that head case? He used to try that. He couldn't kick a ball. Couldn't kick a ball. He couldn't no. kick a ball, but he liked to skin players. But uh, amazingly, we never conceded a goal from those mistakes. Though so. that's the thing. People slate yeah. Ryan Thompson, and um, he. He was excellent. He never really conceded a a, a bandy goal or a yeah. or, or fucked up massively like pulled off on the best save. Still the best save I've ever seen. Ever seen. Yeah, at that time as well. That's unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. I've never seen a better save like. And I tell you what, I wouldn't mind seeing him and Dan Murray in the square circles. Do you remember that little <laughs> row they had in Daily Mount? Where was that? Daily Mount, wasn't it? It was a Daily Mount. Yeah. I'm really sure it was Daily Mount, and he ate Dan Murray, but Dan Murray was right back at him. It was it was fantastic TV. It wasn't great when you're in the stands. No disrespect to Dan Murray, but Ryan Thompson all day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. He has God on his side. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's retired you know, now, isn't he? Yeah. Do you know, so we're passing back to the keeper a lot more now. Because our defenders are probably more confident yeah, in Gavin. Yeah, that's the thing I've noticed, right? This is something that we talk about as fans, is that our lack of faith in Tomer, Hanchinski, was, was really obvious. And nobody was willing to pass the ball back to him. But from what we've been hearing about the lads, a couple of the lads were telling me that Bazuna used to be a striker when he was younger. So he just he's naturally is a good footballer. But like I said, he's seen him. He's skinned two strikers twice. He's good mm. with the ball at his feet and our players are confident. To pass. And that gives you a massive option. Like if you if you completely deny a pass back to your goalkeeper, you're already putting yourself under pressure. Because mm. if let's say your centre-half doesn't want to pass the ball back and it's mm. the only option, he's just probably going to lump it forward. So, like we have Almanis back now. If he can displace Gavin and Aiden played in front of him for two seasons, so he must have felt really confident when you've got a keeper like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Alan was brilliant. Alan came in and Andy Atelier he changed the dynamics of the group straight yeah. away. Like, you know, just his presence. I heard his body was a temple, is that right? Yeah, it's just. Yeah. Even, he's even he's in better shape now than he was. I, I noticed that because we were up in the road zone, right? And he got out of the car, and I, I said to myself, who the fuck is this fella? He's huge. Yeah, he's better. He's in better shape. He's in better shape. For, yeah. Eight years, yeah, whatever exactly, it is, yeah, like yeah. You know, whereas everything he he had done then was self motivated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be the best he could be. Could you put? Could you put um, his better shape being moving out of house and fair house? <laughs> <laughs> I think he was the only normality within that house and fair house, like you know. When uh, Bucker told us in an interview last year, he was barred. Is that right? Yeah, hundred percent barred. Ah, stop.
<laughs> so we move on to the goal now and we had Daniel Sundgren and this fellow was actually quite good he was a marauding fullback you could say not Dolph Lundgren no it wasn't Dolph no. I must break you but uh, yeah so Daniel Sundgren and it was a, it was a well worked goal a great team goal we were caught napping for a couple of seconds and it was an excellent mm. goal I think they caught us in the hop with the troll in wasn't it he kept it in we weren't expecting them to. Yeah. And then suddenly they played into our box. Was, was El, Una- El Unisi or El Unasi, was he involved in this guy with 50 caps for Norway? He might he, have he No one really yeah. stuck out. It's, I think they just kind of contained us. Their number seven was the good. The seven was very the good. The seven yeah. was good. Yeah, kind yeah. of Modric yeah, looking yeah, guy. Yeah. But the, the guy with 50 caps for Norway, kind of games just passed them by. But, um, yeah, no, very few chances for you. So, and like I said, we, we had a couple of shots on goal, clear shots on goal, anywhere else in the goal. You would, have to, you would have to make a save, you know what I mean? So it was just kind of frustrating in that sense. I think Dylan's chance second half, Dylan Watts, the cutback, like, yeah. you know, that's your really... The yeah, super yeah, volley, yeah, he caught it really well, didn't he? Kind of, the cutback you put over the bar, didn't Oh, you? Like, yeah, yeah, that was, that was, I think we got a corner yeah. out of that, didn't we? Well, yeah, I think that's really yeah. true. Yeah, no, that was excellent, and he, like I said, he looks a real player. But the goal was just a hammer blow, wasn't it? And just, mm. Mm. I haven't heard silence like that in Tala for quite a long time. Yeah. It was a it, it was a hard one to take, and it was against. I thought it was against the run of play as well. They did have a bit of pressure, but mm. um, we moved to Joey O'Brien. He had a shot cleared off the line, and Basuno made an unbelievable save where he he tipped the ball out. It was on his left hand side, wasn't it? And a cross came mm. in, and he tipped it away. Or is that the one we're talking about? The one, and Those then he, he saved the session. rebound. It was like a double save. Yeah, but he's uh, he's he's getting confident and more and more, more confident as the games go on. And then Joey came off with 10 minutes to go because he tweaked his knee and the tackle. So hopefully Joey's been a bit of a rock at the back and he's, he's kind of short us up. Hopefully he's back and fit on Wednesday. Or I think Thursday. their defender might have done a job on him there. Do you think so? Yeah. I think he was looking at the... Yeah, ho- hopefully not because um, like the lads did their homework on these. I've been looking at them as well. They try, play three at the back quite a lot. And I think the only time they've conceded more than one goal is when they've played against a team. I think it was Joe Gardens where they drew three all. So... It, it, we're up against it over there we definitely are massive massive friends arena 50,000 people I'm, I'm guessing they'll have over 10, 15,000 at the game so but we'll talk about Gavin Bazunu now and Aido you worked a lot with him yeah, tell us a bit about him yeah, he's a, he's when did he when did he, who did he come from and when did you first get him no well to be honest he was at the club he was at the club well before I came back to the club like you know right. he was Fairhouse Carmel uh, Shane Robinson Paul McMahon all boys that would have seen him quite young like you know and got into the club and his progression has been huge like there was, always, there was never a question uh, of how good he was um, what you're seeing in him playing in the force team he's been doing that for an awful lot so uh, that's the most impressive thing with him like that you're not surprised by how good he's actually doing yeah. like you know um, but yeah he played he played a good bit for us in the 19s last year while he was still with the 17s I heard he was playing two games in two days at times yeah there was times we, we had a bit of an injury crisis there for a while uh, keepers the keepers had been injured with the 19s and uh, so he was he was having to, uh, to to do to cover both games but it was no problem to him like, you know, never looked out of place um, and he played the final in the Shield against against Derry City last year for us and made an unbelievable save was that that game yeah just, I think I remember that say. Was yeah, that from yeah. a, a squared ball yeah, a squared back, and he, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. And that was just before half time, like, you know, and it was massive for us, like, you know, and, uh, to have us going in, we were going in one nil up there at that stage, we won the game one nil, like so yeah, he's he's an impressive lad, he's a really nice boy. Uh attitude great. No attitude, yeah. races, only Do you know what he seems like to us? He seems like he just loves football and it doesn't phase him. Yeah. It seems like I'm playing in goal yeah, now, that's what I like to say, like he, 
you're watching them you're watching them playing against AOK in Europa League like at 16 years of age like and you're seeing them do stuff that you go to roads on and see them doing playing for yeah. the 70s or 19s wherever it is like you know his game doesn't change his game doesn't change and he just sees it the way he wants to see it like and that's that's what's most impressive about him, that his his maturity and, and understanding of what's required at that time and when you're under that much pressure it, it isn't a problem like you know and to go to Cork as a 16 year old and play down there and keep a clean sheet and That's do what he's doing take away the save and the penalty yeah. but by all accounts his understanding of he was getting grief off the shed end you know the stewards yeah. and all give you grief down there like, yeah. you know, everybody's fucking on top of you like. but he, he recognises when he needs to slow things down and when he needs to go and play like, and do you know what I found was excellent right at this that double save that he made he, he came out for a cross tipped it there I think it was there Roy Fall took a shot and he smothered it but the ball was going out towards the corner flag and one of the defenders I think it was I'm not sure who it was they were going to give it a boot but he screamed yeah, and yeah. He, he was like whatever keepers keepers and then he just he just yeah. gathered it up and I was like look at that look at the confidence that they all have yeah, yeah. in him you know yeah. how impressed are you blame Andy well, I haven't actually seen him I haven't seen him playing yet in the last couple of games or whatever else like that but it's like it's incredible to be that age and like you could like lots of times you could have a 16 year old fullback or yeah, you know a winger like but a goalkeeper is yeah. like that's another level again because even playing in Europe like yeah. you, you know like you're 28 years of age if you're playing yeah. in Europe you're nervous like. you're nervous you're yeah. probably nervous so uh, yeah. there's like to be that age and that confident and even the little bits I've seen of him on the tell you see the cork save and mm. uh, all that yeah. kind of stuff but I think most of the time and most even reading the reports after the games is actually that it's the routineness yeah. of the performances that seem to be just like, you know, yeah. yeah, he did this, he did that. Yeah. Just seems to be doing it. Like you were saying, as if he was playing yeah. his under seventeens game under yeah. nineteen. That's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. To stop yourself having all of that nervous tension yeah. that goes with playing in the first game. Like, yeah. And the funny thing about this, we're a mad club, like three months ago, a massive goalkeeping crisis. We were we were letting in goals, we we literally swapping and changing goalkeepers left, right and centre. Now we've two Solid goalkeeper. We've a fantastic. We've a, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say it now. He's gonna be the fourth million pound player, million euro player in the league of Ireland. That's just no weight in the shoulders. I'm like that. Like I think I said, the record is five hundred thousand. I think he's gonna Donovan. So hundred percent. He's gonna be the fourth one to, to break that figure. And and you've got Alan Manis, an absolute animal. Yeah. yeah. And now, now we've got the two best two. probably two goalkeepers in the league. But some, sometimes yeah. it takes a crisis to realise what, yeah. what what's there. Exactly. And like there's never like. The gaffer never has any doubt in a young player, um, and or, or no matter what age he feels he, he he is like you know because like there's no there's no hesitation to play to play Gavin like, yeah. you know what I mean. And, he's proven that as and, well. And there's there's never there was never it never comes into his mind to say no he's not ready or because you know the temperament of Gavin like the temperament yeah. of Gavin is saying I'm ready like let me play like and he's shown that day in day out when he, when he trains with the boys or in any game he plays or communication with the lads like. There's never, there's never a doubt in your mind to say oh, he's actually still a little bit too young. Could be harm up here. Yeah. No, like, that, yeah. that's like that's a, that's the normal thing when you yeah. have young guys like that. You're never really sure. Like, yeah. They could be knocking it out of the park on their nineteens, on their twenties, whatever. Else. Like, you're never actually sure if it's yeah. going to transmit yeah. to the first team if they learn quick enough or they've, yeah. got, they've got the real mentality for it. But, and this certainly has, hasn't it? Yeah. Having said all that, I think what impressed me and a lot of people was the time that he that Brazier put him in. Yeah. Because there was a lot of kind of external pressure mm-hmm. on the club at the time, mm-hmm. and that's when he played a sixteen-year-old big, goalkeeper. Big, big set of balls. How on many managers would have put in a sixteen-year-old goalkeeper with that run of results? The pressure he was under. Well, not not only that, like a sixteen-year-old goalkeeper, but 
Brandon Cavanagh's 17, like Aaron Bulger's 18, like they all played at that time, like. Don't forget Sam Bone. People Sam completely Bone forget about no, Sam Bone. He's 19. Yeah, he's know. 19 years of age. Unbelievable. Like I think he's getting better and better. And um, the the role that he plays, I think he does well inside Bulger because he's got a, he's a serious pass in him. So I think he's going to be there for a while now. Cork, so. Cork and AOK are probably not his best games, but I have been impressing him. Oh, he's a definitely a good player. I mean, there's something there. But we'll talk about the AOK players now as well. And I think what did they had they had we were we were worried about your man Henrik Goitem, weren't we? The Eritrean international. Mm. I didn't think he had much about him. He had one amazing touch, which was really athletic. But other than yeah. that, like they they didn't really impress me. Like we, like you said, eight out of seven was really good. Yeah, Olsen was his name. Yeah. Um. Other than that, they they didn't do it. Like their keeper was dodgy. I think their the right fullback was pretty good, but other than that, they, they didn't really get out a second. Sums it up though, that Guidem looked kind of crap the whole game. Yeah. But in the end of the day, it was his assist. Yeah. For the true. Goal. But that's all they need, isn't it? Just yeah. that bit of brilliance, and they did it in the end. So hopefully, we can go around and do something. But the attendance, two thousand eight hundred seventeen, seemed like a, a lot more was there. Yeah, I'd say it was more. It, it seemed like that anyway. Um, the atmosphere was cracking once again. And we might have shot ourselves in the foot whipping out the Hammerby flag at the end because we, our ultras have a couple of links all over Europe with the likes of, if you remember, Ado, you played in the game in Richmond. I think I always get the score on, Prof. Was it 3-1 or 2-1 when we were going for the title? Billy Dennehy scored. Stewie Bourne gave the ball away in the middle of the park. Yeah. Dennehy picked it up. And David Lynch got sent off. Bur- exactly, yeah. buried it. Remember Billy's yeah. goal? Absolute cracker. But that day, uh, Voiborg were over. St. Gallen were over. I think Hammerby were over and these are all the links that the Ultras have so there's like there's Voiborg in Norway there's St. Gallen in Switzerland there's Hammerby in Sweden Hammerby would be a massive one it goes back a long way and that's AIK is pretty much balls to us right, okay. and 2002 there was a bit of a Barney and a pub in Jorgardens as well when we went over and played there so there's history so they weren't sure whether to whip out the guard, the whip out the Hammerby flag, but they did, and there was Hammerby chance. So I think we're shooting ourselves in the foot when we go over there. I was looking at their stuff. They had like something about Bjorg. They had nineteen eighty one. Ivan the hooligan. Ivan the hooligan. Yeah. yeah. So there, uh, there's definitely, there's definitely a couple of boils there. We have to be on our on our guards. But like I said, I was I was away for the last two weeks, and I was speaking to a Swedish tour division fan, season ticket holder. I can't remember the name of the team. I couldn't get the pronunciation, but his name was Bjorn, and he was telling me about. Um, Hey, <laughs> he was telling me about their their lads they're called the Fairman boys and he said that they're the top he said they're really top lads in Europe like he's calling them he said they're a proper mob and he said they're going to have scouts uh, what he said they're going to have scouts all over the city looking and pubs and things like that and I was just sitting there thinking I'm just going on for a gargle in a match <laughs> but um, there was yeah. a bit of an argument online about whether or not the atmosphere was actually good like some people thought we it was thought it was poor. one of the best in years I can tell you from standing in Black M, it seemed like electric a lot of the time. Oh, it was electric, yeah, it was great. Maybe people, watching, the ultras maybe people watching streams might think it's... Ah, if you're watching dull, TV, you can't but tell. But it was excellent. Excellent being in the stand, Black M with the lads. I think people who wouldn't normally sing and clap were singing and clapping this time. Everyone just seemed to join in. It's just typical European nights yeah. in Tallaght. It's just the way it is. It's a little bit special, isn't it? They've got a goalkeeper coach, uh, Stamatopoulos, Greek-born Canadian. Oh yeah, he's actually still yeah. on the playing staff he's, as well. He's a registered player yeah. as well, yeah. Him and Tom were having a good old chat. I'd say they were Canadian yeah. buddies, yeah. <laughs> and so that's pretty much <laughs> this the summary of AIK. 
So the AIK manager, Ricard Norling, has confirmed that new signing Sebastian Larsson won't be available for the second leg. His transfer officially goes through on Sunday, which is a good thing. Fresh from uh, the World Cup, which he had a great game against Germany, actually, as well. Mm. So um, that's a good thing. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, on the game, this is uh, Ricard's thoughts on the game. He said, hopefully that goal will be decisive. He says, but if they score one and then all of a sudden they're leading the game in a way... Uh, we are favourites for the game but I told everyone to understand that this was a really tough draw for us I'm not surprised that Rovers played this well on Sunday we play on an Astro Turf against one of the most northerly teams in the league and we must travel by bus Rovers are a very good team I have been here twice as a coach at Malmo and this is the best version I have met as a coach they are a little bit more mobile they have better individuals and they have a, and they must have a good coach they have got players in positions that we couldn't deal with then we started to grow into the game after 30 minutes of the fourth half in the second half, we did better. We were more compact and better control of the ball. Maybe that was because they were not able to keep their high pressure going to the second half. The game started to open up, and maybe when that happens, we are better when games are not so tight. It's complimentary. Yeah, I think. Well, he couldn't. He couldn't have been critical because we were really good. But I think he got it right with the whole pressure thing. Uh, we there's no way we're going to be able to keep that up. Maybe we went out to kind of. Hit them. They maybe they weren't going to expect us to do that, and we said we'll go hit them in the first thirty minutes. Really press them high and maybe nab an early goal. But not that he said this is the best Rovers team he's met. Not Stephen Kenny, twenty twelve. Not Pat Fenn in twenty fifteen. So he he managed against us twice yeah. with, with those teams. Yeah. So he was the gaffer of Malmo and uh, Bran, the Norwegian. Malmo team. and Bran. Did you hear what Pat Fennan had to say on Airsport? Go on, give us it, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Nutsy wasn't very... Uh, he's quite critical of the team and the, the background staff and the board. So what did Nutsy say? He said, uh, we never got going too slow, too pedantic. Really? Maybe they showed Marie play at the, the Rops game from two years oh ago. That's God. what he was watching. <laughs> the Rops, remember that? The Finnish uh, fiasco, yeah. The, the most uh, cowardly Rovers display in Europe I've ever seen. Up there, but no, no, yeah, it was. It was the most cowardly yeah. display, it really was. But um, yes, yeah, so we had some comments and questions sent in for the two lads today. We had said Ray Whelan said Andy Moyler, one of the few players to play for, to play as well for us as he did against us. So there wasn't. Uh, there's been a few of them throughout the years, yeah. but uh, what what do you it's think one, of that? One of those. What was my level when I was playing against us? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> What just the point of signing me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Noel Keenan said, Give, uh, given Andy was a fan's favourite while at the club, how did he find the Rovers crowd before he played for us? Jesus, I never considered myself a fan's favourite when I was at the club, but um, I used to love playing against Rovers. It's the best thing ever. I know this is sort of weird, but when you're a, if you're a fan of the club you're playing against, I remember we scored a few times whatever against yeah. Rovers over the years. Yeah, absolutely, it feels better than scoring against any other team. I know that's weird. That's you know, a very I weird. Know, thing, I didn't yeah. do that. I wouldn't do that thing of saying, uh, "I won't about myself." Yeah. Nonsense. But uh, I remember losing a school year at the back post one time up in uh, Drada, and we won three two, and going absolutely apoplectic. To yeah. score. Like I remember Rotran all giving me stick afterwards, oh, uh, yeah. saying, "You know, what are you celebrating so much for?" Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now listen I, the Rovers fans I think when you're playing in the League of Ireland anywhere it doesn't matter actually playing against Rovers feels like what you thought it would be like playing professional football right like you're getting a stick from the stands you're yeah. getting whatever else like that all of that kind of stuff that's I think what you think it'll, it'll be like so actually and I, lived up to it absolutely I, I, fun, I, I swear to God I think the only reason why uh, Rovers found themselves in the first division was because they were Rovers 
because all the other teams are always playing up all the time yeah. they're always playing up here's the thing who said it to us Tony Tony O'Dell said to us that other teams like when he was playing for Derry they, everybody just every gets team, up to play against Rovers every, every team like, no matter who you're playing for if you're playing against Rovers and I played against a lot of Rovers teams that were like 5th and 6th in the table they weren't like 4th or something like that yeah. didn't matter didn't matter to anybody in the dressing room but like still showing up Rovers just wanted like, to beat them and like that team that got relegated I can promise you the other 10 teams even if they still think like still Shamrock Rovers, the only reason why he went down, I think. And your career began over a decade before Aidens, and uh, you started out not to not, not, not to make you feel all around like that. <laughs> but uh, you started out at UCD in nineteen ninety four. But tell us, this is one thing I, I love getting into is tell us how you started playing football, who you where you're from originally, yeah. and and if you ever went on trial or anything like that. Because we had who did we have? We, we had Barker Bailey on telling us where he went on trial. About fifty trials, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> football joke here. <laughs> um, but we had Kozo on about all the trials he was on. <laughs> yeah, so um, go on, give us the, the lowdown. Where, where, oh, yeah, where so are you from originally and I'm who did you start off playing? Originally from Ballymun, but would have grown up most in Coolock. Right. Uh, so would have started off playing uh, with Home Farm. Oh. I was a kid, I was a goalkeeper actually, till I was about. Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, it's a massive yeah. jump. We used to control the ball to two hands. <laughs> <laughs> it was always that one. Wasn't exactly. It? You never got near the ball. Either. Sorry about that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so as a goalkeeper, was about thirteen, and then I, I was always actually I was signed for Home Farm as an outfield player, but there was no goalkeeper. And I used to play a bit of guy and stuff like that as well. So, and it was okay in goal, so it stuck me in goal anyway. But, um, so I spent a few years at that. Then came outfield, and I think I spent couple of months or a year or whatever actually I was at Belbo as the goalkeeper and then Mark Kennedy remember Mark Kennedy he used to play for yeah the winger he came as a goalkeeper to Belbo and knocked me into sort of reserve goalkeeper he was your man jumping on the car with Phil Bob so wasn't he the two of us actually ended up ultimately playing centre forward or whatever not playing in goal at all and then spent most of the rest of the time at Kevin's where we were playing guys like Jay Sherlock actually teammate with Jay Sherlock oh, yeah? going at Kevin's signed for Sherlock went to UCD too, didn't he? Sherlock went to UCD, yeah. The year after me, actually, yeah. uh, uh, we went to um, went to UCD after playing, got signed for, picked for the Leinster squad, actually, played UCD in a friend or whatever else like that. Uh, the doc, Tony O'Neill, uh, signed me. Actually, he signed me because playing with Kevin's out in uh, Bushy Park, just down the road here. Oh, yeah. Where Pat Warren started his career. You know when you, mm-hmm. you, you have a game that is like, you can still remember it today, yeah. or that good. Yeah. It, was like, it was one of those games that was just like, everything was going uh, your way. You saw me on the back of that anyway. So, spent four years at UCD. It was just incredible place to play football when you were a kid because all the fellas are just... Did you go through the education system or was it just No, football? I did one year, uh, one year in college at the time. Had to do all my bleeding college again and had to do my degree and my masters in, tur- in my thirties when I was uh, finished playing football. But just it, it was into football and didn't really have um, the discipline then, I suppose, to stick with a degree or whatever else. Yeah. So I did that for four years, whatever. It was fantastic. Playing with lots of guys, would have played for overs Terry Parmer, Jay Caldwell, all those kind of guys yeah. were at UCD when I was there. Um, but it was an unbelievable. Football club and drinking club. Yeah, so we've heard. For the few years I was there. <laughs> I was telling somebody there a while ago, we used to consider ourselves to be, you know, it's your first professional contract, you sign, says professional, all that kind of stuff. Like you're getting feck all money, but yeah. who cares? But uh, we used to play on a Sunday afternoon, but we used to go train on a Thursday evening. We'd go out into town after Thursday evening. 
we'd also meet in town on a Friday evening as well, right? But we'd be training on Saturday morning. And, and like, this is we, all the team? This is all, most of the team. Like, that doesn't happen anymore, does it? No, no. So we'd train on the Saturday morning. The lads would be coming up, like, heads hanging off them on Saturday morning. <laughs> and then you wouldn't drink Saturday night, but you would drink again after the game on Sunday. <laughs> so we were like, from Thursday to Sunday, we were actually drinking Thursday... Friday, not drinking Saturday, but drinking Sunday again. But you felt like you were doing the right thing. Felt like you were pure <laughs> professional. Top like, top. This is yeah. this, this is how we top, made this it. Is how in the light. Yeah, good old went days. into the club M on a Saturday night, and the rest oh, of the Ireland was in there as well. <laughs> so if I was to say that, that was the haunt, wasn't it? So uh, that was it. But that was brilliant. Um, eventually, sort of, uh, I remember Jay and Mick O'Born at the time would have been playing a lot up front and stuff. But that was sort of wasn't getting great chances and mm. stuff like that. So moved on to um, up the north actually for a year and a half at Newry we're just about to say it to you now yeah. how, did, how did that come, move come about Kinger uh, Noel King was man, was a coach at um, UCD at the time right. and Kinger used to sort of I think he used to like me as a player as well so he Johnny MacDonald was up at Newry and I think he'd had a word or whatever so, that, so I went up for a year and a half and it was great actually because Newry were actually after getting this mad cash injection they were taking off all this kind of stuff and we had a real good team actually real good team how was the drinking sessions like there outrageous <laughs> outrageous they were it was like they had some lunatics like actually that was that's where you realise you're so closeted in UCD actually because you know when you go outside and you're playing with like you're playing with 21 year old guy or 22 year old guy in UCD and the max crazy thing they've ever done I don't know shave an eyebrow exactly yeah, <laughs> something yeah. like that but then you're going to like 30 year old striker on his third wife you know, <laughs> <laughs> crazy stuff no, and I remember one of the lads I played with was a, he was a really nice guy really good Desi Gorman he played for Linfield now he's a really good striker and stuff like that but he was mental like he was crazy and some of the nights out with Benuri and all like Desi I remember he had like he's called the Dundalk Hawk and he had like a hawk ring and he had a hawk tattoo <laughs> oh, and I remember one day he got his balls pierced actually his, that, his balls his balls pierced and then it was possible like and he, I said, "What you? We said, what to get your balls first?" He said, "I just wanted to feel the pain, what it was like." So that's very like. Oh no, that these guys. He's following through. So uh, we're just absolute headcase. But uh, you had a brief spell at Monaghan then before you moved to Athlone and you had that brilliant uh, 2001 season with them. Yeah. You scored 29 league goals for them, including uh, two in the playoffs. And that's still a record for Athlone and yeah. uh, second highest ever tally in the first division. Danny Furlong just beat you. With but 30 he was, he years was claiming goals back and everything. Yeah, Harry <laughs> Kane style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, it was an unbelievable season. Booker was the manager. Um, and Booker is, is a guy in fairness to him who believes in the centre forwards. Mm. And Like he used to actually, one of the things, quirky things, he used to name the centre forwards first on the team seats sometimes. Oh, yeah? So, like, he used to be say everything, you have to get it to the centre forwards yeah. or else nothing's going to happen. Like, so. And one of those seasons where when you, like, literally... Everything you want to go for you just goes for you. You know, every chance you take, the ball falls in, the, in your path. Who was a? Who would have been your main assist maker was, there? Who would, there was two guys. There was there was your Matt Lone. To your, It was uh, like there was cousins. a guy Matt Lone, Stephen Stephen Mullen was his name, and he was lightning quick. He was yeah. like a real young lad, and he was lightning quick, just like me. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like he was he was brilliant. He, he you know what he wasn't probably the world's best finisher, right? But because he was so quick and getting behind, if he just followed him around, he'd pick up a scraps. He just, you know, he get a tap ins and everything. And Stewie Connolly is a lad from, uh, he's a lad from Walkinstown here. He actually played for Bray and Dundalk and stuff like that. Stewie was had a real wonderful left peg as well. He was really good. So uh, 
Yeah, that was a great year, yeah. So uh, we're moving on to the FAI Cup now, and Rovers are away to draw the, we've So we've Tim Clancy's charges in the FAI Cup next month. Uh, you loved it at United Park when you were there, and you seem to have a great relationship with Drotter fans. Yeah, uh, always. One of those things I had a couple of seasons there, and went really well for me. And always got on with the uh, the fans. They seem to they seem to take to me <laughs> for whatever reason. But um, yeah, whenever I go back up, I get nice receptions. Yeah, like that so it was always it was always good. It was a real good, it was a real good club draw actually. Back back then, yeah. yeah it was, and struggling now aren't they and one of those places you know when you're playing I always actually like playing in Drada uh, United Park when I was there because it's so tight yeah. and it's on top of you and um, even so going back there felt really comfortable and <laughs> I used to I used to feel I struggled on big pitches as well because like, it wasn't that quick so you, you need to get the ball near you or whatever and that's a sort <laughs> of a tighter pitch so actually I always thought it suited me a little bit better because you're always a bit closer to the goal no matter where you're standing yeah. on the pitch Do you like Richmond too then for that reason? Yeah, absolutely yeah. The, the, the tighter pitches do I, used, like, I don't think I've scored a goal in Daily Mount for instance which right. is a behemoth of a pitch because <laughs> <laughs> like every time you turn away you're still 60 yards away from the goal You're starting to sound like Mark Kenny here Mark Kenny isn't like running at all either. I'm not going to make it <laughs> I didn't mind running but just, I just knew <laughs> if I'm raising here somebody's just going to come by me and get it but uh I think you scored the last goal of your career against Rada too, is that right? Did in Bray, yeah. yeah. Um, from all of about, say, six inches header, but a uh, keeper made the balls up. Six, but, um, six inch screamer. Exactly. Yeah, no, Drod was, Drod was, Drod was a uh, brilliant, great time. Right, so, Edo, you were um, one of four players along with David Casty, Ty Porcel, and John McGuinness that Pat Scully brought with him from Kilkenny. So, give us, a, give us the lowdown on the 2005 season with them and making the move to Rovers. Um, basically, basically he had made up Pat had come out I was playing for Cherry Orchard at the time uh, for our seniors like you know and uh, I'd seen him out at the games and stuff like and I remember obviously remember Pat from going playing and stuff like and I'd actually heard the people were saying at the game it's if I heard he's going to take the Kildare County job at the time like you know so we thought do well here mm-hmm. like, you know it could be a chance to get into the thing you know and, uh, I had a game we played actually against Crumlin here uh, we won 2-1 I was playing for Terry Orton uh, just around the school, in the school here yeah it's Armagh Road in Armagh Road yeah and that was a tight pitch talking about tight pitches like you know a big hill on it and stuff like yeah. you know uh, and I had a good game um, and then within a week or two he was in contact with me asking me uh, what my situation was like and I went to meet him and I forget I went to meet him in the Ambassador Hotel on the Nice Road like if I kill there because my mum and dad were living, I was living in Kill at the time and he was just an impressive. I, I just found him straight away. It wasn't about anything else. He just straight away he told me things that I needed to work on, like you know. And it wasn't about coming to sign with me. He said, "Listen, no matter what happens between me and you in this conversation, like you need to work on this or that, like you know." And I remember coming away thinking, "Brilliant, like, yeah. soaking it in, like thinking, brilliant, like you know." So I ended up signing for him. I had the option to go. I could have signed for Mick Cook. Was after, I was at Monaghan as well, and uh, Mick had asked me to go to Monaghan, but I went with Kilkenny, uh, and he had put together basically a team with. No budget whatsoever. Like uh, there was lads, as I say, myself coming from from uh, from Cherry Orchard. We had lads that signed from uh, Bangor Celtic. Uh, so like he put a real mix of players that were Leinster senior league players, but who were extremely hungry. Yeah. To to succeed, like you know, I think Toig actually forced them to sign them. Like. That's just Toy got over the Yeah, I think Toy was just like now uh, he got he he would he had been at UCD I think with with Mark Dempsey who was the assistant manager and uh, he had, he'd gone on to Mark and held Mark and mm. to get him down to training like and, and Toy signed from like but that was a brilliant year because I think I don't, uh, for a first thirteen games we, 
we lost every game. I think if that's right, uh, and then we went on a run, uh, and we ended up finishing fourth. Like you know, I think we had we had won fifteen games unbeaten or something like that. Like and just missed out on getting uh, promoted. And what was the the culture like there? Was it similar to Andy's? No, not really. Like to be honest, like because we had a group that were were from Dublin. Um, and I just dropped home straight after the game. So no stopping off in Langton, sir? None of this, no. no probably as exciting as it got was probably Abercrombie on the way home. <laughs> Times have changed. Yeah. At that stage, yeah, 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 they were. Because as young as... Like, I, was, I was 22 at that stage, like, you know? Yeah. Uh, and and I, just, I was just desperate to get an opportunity to do it. Like, because I, I had stopped playing football. Like, I had to play football from 14 to 18. Like, you know? Really? Yeah, so I, I had gone back to play football. That's like a crucial developmental stage. Yeah, yeah, massively, yeah. But I just, I, I just felt I wasn't getting anything from it or anything like that, you know? So I'd gone back to actually sign for it, which was Tallah Town, which was yeah. Shamrock Rovers, actually. And John Toll was the manager. Uh, and I got a taste for it there, and it, that had gone well. And I signed for Dublin Bus, Cherry Orchard. So I'd gone a completely different route to get around, like you know. But to Kenny thing was a brilliant experience because it, it gave you an insight, and Pat was brilliant for giving you the structures what it took to be a footballer, like you know. Even though we so were gone through, hadn't he? Yeah, like but even though we were probably getting fifty quid a week or whatever it was, like, and you're spending that on fucking petrol driving to the game on a Saturday, like, but. It, it made you feel like what Andy was talking about earlier on. You felt like a footballer, like, you mm. know, he, and it, that's what that was his biggest thing. Like, so he put brought an awful lot of people together that were just hungry and desperate for those opportunities. Like, and the training Andy was talking about earlier on, that was the way it was the whole, the whole period of time. Like, but we were trying to stand away park, like stand away, yeah. We, we, we were trying to stand away park, like and. The lads coming around robbing fucking gear off and robbing football. It's funny if we sprinted through the park trying to catch the There was a team fall, wasn't there, of the 2006 squad in Stanway? Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So tell us about the move to Rovers. How did that come about? Uh, I, I had, Pat, when I was signing, Pat had said to me, listen, wherever I can he, I had signed initially. I had done, I had done well uh, straight away. Um, for him within the first couple of months and he said, he came back to me and said listen we want to give you a new contract this is for Kilkenny uh, and he said to me listen speak with Frank Gavin was in the PFEI at the time he was the head of the PFEI at the time and he said I'd advise you to put something in your contract that if your manager leaves that you're you're free to, you're free to, to, to leave and can you propose that you yeah. could propose that before you sign a contract I, well I was signing the contract but yeah. this was a stipulation I wanted in right. my contract that they wanted me to sign a two year contract and I said, look, at the end of the season, I'll sign a contract, but if, if the manager leaves at the end of the season, I'm free to leave, like, you know. So there was a bit of hassle getting out with Kilkenny at the time, but Pat had had a few offers, I think, after having such a, such a success after Kenny for that year. Like, right. Uh, and I think Dundalk were, were looking at him and stuff like that. Um, I think Dundalk had no manager at that time and stuff. But the Shamrock Rovers one was an obvious one for him because he played for the club before. And he came to me pretty much and offered me the opportunity to sign with Shamrock Rovers and I was like, yeah, no problem. Jump on that, yeah. Remember the first game, opening day against Dundalk? Yeah, had 2000 at the game. Yeah, I, I had an absolute trial that day. I <laughs> played against uh, Pierre Hines and Philly Hughes playing in front Pierre of Pierre Hines, that Jesus, that's, that's a big strike for us. Yeah, and uh, the dancing dogs back. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of the atmosphere. And, Jesus, uh, that's two massive heads playing up yeah, front. Yeah, I never forget it because my, actually my first game for Shamrock Rovers Luke was a uh, was a preseason friendly against James's Gate in in just in the Ivy Grounds, yeah. like, you know. And Tony Sheridan was playing up front for the gate, like, and yeah. that was a lesson for me. Like, what you know? a player! Because Tony was like Tony was probably twenty five at that stage, like, yeah. And I remember him saying he got throwing off there, fella, and he he was telling the opposite winger like where he wanted him, like and I was like, what is he doing here? Like, 
touch bump straight away. Like, it didn't even take bounce just off the volley off the, the throw and straight out the opposite side. And I was yeah. thinking, like, you gave him the run around, like, you know? Yeah. Scudder whipped me off at half time in the pre season friendly, like, slaughtered me, like, you know? That was, my, that was my introduction. Into, and I'm sure Shamrock Roberts, there was loads at the game. There was probably about, yeah, yeah. probably about 500 at the game. Like, that's just Shamrock Roberts had 500 people turning up to a pre season friendly, like, you know? And uh, at that, I think that was around the time that actually Derry Tracy was. was Coming, leaving the club and stuff like that so there was an awful lot going on but it was my first game and I remember thinking 500 people come here to watch me getting the run around by a 35 year old Tony Sheridan like you know yeah I think, I think we played this that pre-season as well did we in Longford yeah you did yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you did yeah. I think that was one all one all was it I think you did you score I think you scored like I can't remember yeah I think you had scored that day and uh, who was scored for us that day uh, might have been Toig actually or Philip Shepard maybe scored. I think Philip Shepard might score for yeah. some like, you know. And what was Tony Sheridan like to play against? So we heard some good stories about him. It's the only time we played against him, to be honest, like Andy no more than I was like. Must be an absolute head case. But he was unbelievable. He was I like, went missing at the airport before as well, who was telling us that? He uh, he was signed for Coventry and Coventry, he just he, he went missing. Coventry sent two lads over to get him. Brought him back to the airport, told him he was going to the toilet and didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> went, went on the went on the missing yeah. list. But uh, her brother plays for well, his brother plays for Crumlin and he played against Amrisi in a, a in a classics legends match I think it was or a, a charity match and he said uh, he texted me after he said who the fuck is Tony Sheridan yeah. he said exactly what you just did there what you said he said he could just whip a ball just like that yeah. so it'd be unbelievable yeah no, it was it was a good lesson for me like, I have to say like, you know but first game in Dun- uh, against Dundalk in Talker Park like it was special mm-hmm. coming out like you know. The atmosphere, I think, it was nineteen hundred or two thousand at the game, like you know. Probably more than any attendance in a Premier Division game that night. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because I remember there was a big thing about it at the time. The, the, the attendances, Shamrock Rovers were bringing to all to Fourth Division grounds. Like the average at the games was like three and four hundred. Like in every game that Shamrock Rovers were involved in was was fifteen hundred to two thousand. Like, and would the fans play a big thing in it for you? Like yeah, that? massively. Like yeah, massively because. It's just the atmosphere that it feels proper, like you know, it feels like, and especially in Talca Park, like they're right beside you and stuff, like you know. But that day was was unbelievable because they were, we come out of the tunnel, and they were all in the, the stand to the left, so it was it was absolutely jammed, like you know. Uh, we scored right at the end. Uh, I think Willie Doyle scored at the end uh, to get us a draw. Is that right? I think. Uh, I think I think Doyle got the winner. Oh, Willie Doyle. Yeah. yeah. Was yeah. oh yeah. Sorry, one two yeah. one actually. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are one 0 down. I think. That, uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. We one two one. Like you know, but. Yeah, that was that was a proper experience, like you know. So Andy, at this stage you're with Longford, and you finally got the call to play for the hoops in the summer, two thousand and six. Mm-hmm. So, did uh, the school was it a chance encounter? Or did Scully ring you? Or how did it come about? Oh, Scully, Scully rang me because um, I, w- I wasn't in the team in Longford at the time. I think it was just what, Longford wasn't suit me at all. But uh, and I remember uh, I think it was half was it halfway through the season? It was halfway through the season mm-hmm. and Scully gave me a ring because we would have played the Scully at uh, Drahada as well, so we knew each other. Um and what I always liked about Scully was actually just completely straightforward. There's no real hidden Yeah. Mm, straight up with you. Just yeah. straight up. So um, I remember having a blazing row with Scully down the initial court after with two all draw, we had draw and pats and I think um it was actually it was two all. It was actually Rovers game. Two all draw Rovers, I think, actually, because Rovers were playing in the court at the time, and um, we had a proper stand up row in the middle of the pitch afterwards because Scully was trying to blame me on the second goal or something from a corner or something like that. And but I remember the next day going to the training and he was just going, "How are you doing, Andy?" And then other fellas that you would fight with like that wouldn't talk to you for yeah four months. Done. Afterwards, like you wouldn't, they never talk again. But he was just like, yeah, 
yeah. that's it it's over you know? yeah. but he contacted me and said interested so we, I actually went to Longford and said look listen it's not working out for me it's not working out for you let's yeah. you know mutual uh, sort something out with Rovers here and uh, they said no problem and I think they were actually getting to a stage where they were starting to struggle with we had a mental wage bill at Longford at that stage really? with 300 people going to the games we had like a squad of about 25 or 30 like fellas who would consider themselves to be first team players like there yeah. was no young lads or mm. anything knocking around it like and uh, so I think they were probably happy enough to shed a few players as well so yeah met them in the Parnell Jury's in met Noel Bourne and was it John? I think it was Noel Bourne and Pat and yeah I was happy as Larry rang me dad straight away afterwards chuffed didn't tell him beforehand he was like yeah chuffed went to training the next night Eric McGill tackled me <laughs> I do me ankle the next six weeks. Oh, <laughs> it was well. a nightmare. But, uh, yeah, so that was on. Listen, didn't have to convince you, didn't have to convince you to play for for hours at that stage. Like. So you were in your 30s by then, so you were probably thinking, yeah, you were probably surprised you were getting the opportunity now to play for your the club you supported. Yeah, uh, kids and all. Like, it was one of those things that, like, to be quite honest with you, at that stage, I, I wouldn't have played for hours only for where Rovers were mm. at the time. They were in the first division. Yeah. Um, albeit always playing in the Premier at the, at the, at the time. Um, but, like, so I was well happy to take the, the opportunity to do it because I could, like, I could see the end of the road as well. It was, like, the, I'd already had kids. Um, what you call it? Uh, I wasn't as blisteringly quick as I used to be. All that kind of <laughs> stuff. But uh, So I was, like... Took me like it didn't even take me any seconds to when Scullia was rang me. I was just like, You knew when you seen the ball, so yeah. just straight into Longwood. Look, so you made your hoops debut in a 1 0 win over Galway at Tolka Park yeah. in the August, and you scored your first goal in a home win over Limerick <laughs> in October. Yeah, I remember the, the my debut because it was coming on, and all the nice bits of it that were uh, like you know, you so the first game back after the break, was it? I can't remember. Scorching that bit, I think it was, was it? Yeah, I, I, but I just remember, my dad and my family in the stand, that was, not, that was the nice part, but the worst part of it was that I'd just been out for six weeks with my ankle and I'd only got back, so, and my ankle was still a little bit sore, but I was training away, and it's like, I have to get it, because people don't think I'm fucking yeah. taking the piss here. Like. Yeah. But I just remember I had, the night before down in the Astro and thing, I got the biggest blister and it ripped off the end of my foot, like I could hardly put my foot to the ground. And I was just thinking, I can't say yeah. I've got a blister. Yeah. Like, after I haven't missed in the six weeks. And I was just, I was nearly crying running around the pitch. And <laughs> I came on, I was, oh, it was killing me. I was just happy to get to the end of the match without doing nothing like yeah. ridiculous. I was there, you know, but uh, yeah, so. Uh, but when you scored your first goal, what did it feel like? Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. All those bits of rovers for me, like, are you, like, I don't want to get too, like, soppy about it or. No, that's what we want we like soppy not, not what it's about but when you grow up like I'm sure all the other lads like because Jay Caldwell would have grown up as a Rovers fan the lads I knew like who grew up as Rovers fans it's the same as if you're playing for like you know Gary Neville playing for Man United or whoever it is if, yeah. if it's your team it's your team yeah. so all of those bits you do like the first game you play the first goal you score all of that kind of stuff the first thing you win whatever else it is they're all like absolutely brilliant um, all of those things I remember just a thing I used to really like every t- every time and this is so people was just walking out to the pitch and I always gave me that a, a wave and like, like that to me means more than anything else probably I've done in football because I think my dad gets to say 
I can only he, imagine he played, he played for Rovers he loved yeah, it yeah. so all of that kind of stuff because if it was my son and he played for Rovers I'd be proud yeah like, exactly because like, he comes so, to the games he comes everywhere with me so yeah. I can only imagine if he ever played and yeah, scoring yeah. goals for Rovers yeah so that, that means that means more than even the, the goal you scored or whatever yeah. else like that you know but the uh, the Bowles Cup win, can we talk about that? Yeah. What do you remember? What are your memories of that? I was I was cup to it. I remember that. I was uh-huh. sick because like the lads were bombing. At the, I just remember bombing. Castle got the two goals. Yeah. No, but that two. We, we, we drew yeah. home. We drew home to Metalka yeah. Force League. Yeah. Mark Leach scored for them a header, and then we got the replay. In, mm. in in daily moment like, didn't yeah. was it who got sacked? Got the sack Gareth Farley got sacked. Farley got yeah, sacked yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the two, the I think the second goal in Castle. Yeah, it's it amazing. Un- unbelievable. Yeah, yeah cut yeah. in off the left. Yeah, yeah. bent in. Like, Castle's Castle's such a good player though. Yeah. Like he was the best. We used to say like, didn't we say like you could make a video of him in training like yeah, his yeah. goals in training like you'd say you'd make a video like you know, was he that good? Yeah, was, he's so still playing with T Y isn't he? Yeah, he's, was he managing there for? Yeah, I think I think he's he was stepping up a role now, but. Uh, as and he was that good in training, was he? Oh, he's brilliant because he he was one of the ones that we had so many. As we were saying, when we first put the, the squad was being put together, and, uh, Castle then had, was one of these players that came off of Derby County. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, he, he was being with Derby, like so you could see as he had real quality. Like, yeah. You know, um, yeah, he was a really good footballer, really yeah. intelligent footballer. Like, one know. of those guys that when you're playing with them, they always do the thing you expect them yeah. to do. You know, the type of way they yeah. they always do the. Yeah, more more often than not, to do the right thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's a good player. But to be balls, us in the first division, them the tough fly, obviously mm. a big fuss was made about. It. Oh, massive! Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the the lads really. I actually I full on thought that we might even go all the way that year because yeah, it was a real yeah, buzz about, buzz about it. it. And like the the lads had it such a. When I got there, like it was, I think it was me and was Ray Kenny with us in the first division. Or was he? Ray, Ray was in the first division, but yeah. he had signed at the start. You so, came in. Yeah, he had signed the start. So it was like myself and Ray were the two See, older yeah. players, say, yeah. in the squad at that stage. And we used to sort of like. Ray was a foreign man, wasn't he? Ray was a foreign yeah, man. Wasn't yeah. he on? Do you remember football, football yeah, Monday? Football Monday yeah, in yeah, Pierce yeah. Park. Trade him, done it. And he was in this. He was in the. Oh, it was upstairs. He was, he was upstairs in the postal club, was it? He, but he, they, he did it in the Pierce Park. I've done the football there. The they, they played table tennis upstairs yeah. in Pierce Park. Ray was such a good guy as well. Brilliant guy, yeah. We used to sort of marvel at the lads because. They just didn't have any airs or graces about them. Like it didn't matter to them actually that they were playing balls in the Premier League. All of that kind of stuff. Like they just had this mad confidence about thing that had Scullier had obviously drilled into them for yeah. the last like Kilkenny and then Rovers or whatever else like that. They were crazy. Like I hadn't heard the lads talking about like what they should be doing. Like the the younger Rovers lads when I got to Rovers, I was like, what are these? Like these guys yeah. are leading crazy confident. Yeah. And in the dressing room before the game in Daily Mount. Did Scully say in particular, or did he ever dwell on the derby mentality, or no, has like, that ever spoken no, on? Never, like he never. There was never a difference in any game. Uh, how how he controlled the, his team talks or anything like that. Like it was exactly the same, actually. Always the same, like always the same, like and it was always. Uh, it was always as Andy said, like it was always just. I never. I never doubted anything that we done. Like mm-hmm. I, I never had in my head that anybody like he'd always say to you, be the best in your position. Like. Be the best, look. So he'd always say to you, like, four centre halves on the pitch, be the best centre half of the four. Like, and that's, all he, that's how simple for you he'd make it, like, you know, like, and, but he would breed confidence into mm. us unbelievably, like, you know, there was never any, as I say, like, you're going into the Bowes game, I don't remember, I don't remember being nervous before, I don't, yeah, ever, really? I don't remember thinking. Being like, the underdogs in Daily Mount, not ne- nervous never, at all, like. and big crowd. Well, he used to do, if you remember school years, even his articles, his, his, 
his newspaper articles beforehand, the sort of flies in the face how people normally do them. So when when a journalist rings you, say the safest stuff you can ever say to them, just so you don't. So that article doesn't get pinned up on the wall at the restaurant or whatever. But Scully used to go in every week and just say, we expect to win. That was his thing. Every week you say, expect to win. And every game we played, no matter what it was, it was just like, yeah, "Yeah, we expect to win it. And all the lads just reacted to that. Like, it's just, you know, we expect to win our overs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And people fondly remember the, the cup game in Athlone. This is very fondly remembered. On the yeah. rugby pitch, live on TG4. 1-0 down. 1-0 yeah, down in 10 minutes. He what? He went rasher. He went rasher. <laughs> I got eaten alive after that game. Yeah. You know, that was a weird... Like, oh, but who, who, said, who spoke about this as well, saying that it was a fantastic win, but God, they got eaten alive in the dressing room after it? Might have been Ada. We've interviewed Ada. I think, I think we might. Yeah, yeah. 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 we did it before. upstairs in the In the suite, yeah. I'll never forget. That week was bizarre. Like... I don't know, we're gonna, whatever, but my house was robbed that week, oh, like, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 I remember so that. So, the day before, we trained, for whatever, we played on a Saturday that week. Normally, we were playing uh, the Friday, but that game was played on a Saturday in Athlone, like, in Dewberry Park, if that was yeah. one of those. So, we trained on the Friday in Crumlin, like, you know? So, I was off work that day because I'd always take the Friday off when we had a match or whatever, but I just kept that Friday off, like, and... Anyway, the house got, my house got robbed that morning, and I got tied up in the house, like, you know? You got tied up? Yeah. Friday morning, right? <laughs> And uh, the fellas came into the house, whatever happens. That was the Friday before the the Atlanta game, like, and uh, for, I don't know why, like, but I had the footballs in my car, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll never forget, like, and I, I had the footballs in my car. They robbed the footballs? They robbed my car, right? I had no phone, my phone was robbed. <laughs> the footballs were gone. And I remember I had, to get, I had to ring somebody, I rang Toy or something like that, and I said, I need to get Scudder's number to tell him, yeah. like. And he, his reaction was, it was like is everything alright yeah yeah can I ring the guards to get because uh, the car had been found like you know yeah. what guard station was that taken to would I be able to ring them just to get the footballs out of the boot like? <laughs> 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 like, you were not sure I was like I think that might, they might need to hold on to the car like you said like, yeah, surely they didn't touch the fucking footballs in the little car like, you know? <laughs> so that's all you tell you tell fucking Scully is going to kill me but I don't want the footballs oh, that's what I was worried about like you know like, the fucking car has been robbed you were tied up. All he was worried about was was brilliant. That, that just sums it up, like you know. But that was yeah. Played. We trained. Went to training on the Friday. We played. We went to Athlone the next day. Yeah. Scully was suspended from the the bench. That's right. remember. He was had to sit up in the stand. Yeah. Who took the reins that day? Uh, Mark Dempsey. Right. Mark Dempsey was in charge, and we got out of jail big time, didn't we? Like you know. Yeah, we were, yeah, yeah. We were. We had gone, uh, I think we went 1-0 down, or we got 1-0 up. I think, Bud, was it Buzzer or Podge scored, lobbed the keeper? We were 1-0 down with 10 minutes to go. Yeah, yeah. Podge, I think Podge lobbed the keeper. Yeah. Lobbed the keeper. I think Buzzer put uh, Podge in, he dinked the keeper. And then Robbie Clark cut in on his right foot. Absolute screamer. Yeah. Bent into the top right corner. Like, you know, but talking about, we went into the dressing room after the game, like, and we were all fucking buzzing. Like, yeah, you know? yeah. Mark Dempsey came in, brilliant lads, yeah. delighted. We are fucking yeah. brilliant. Like, you know? yeah. And we got back onto the bus. Yeah. And Scully, but that was the first time we seen Scully, like, and he came on and he fucking hit us. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I remember awesome. thinking that one, like, cause, just because of the week you'd had or whatever. Yeah. I said, fucking hell, that's harsh. Like, <laughs> he went for me, like, he went for me, like, you know, like, yeah. but that's no problem, like, you know, yeah. that was just the way, it was all about football, like, yeah, yeah. His thing was, you park everything until you come to, yeah. you come to a game, that was it, Because like, he never allowed music in the dressing room before a game, like. Yeah. No, never. You know, you'd have everyone to have music. Is that a big on. thing now and has been for the last couple of years? Oh, was, it always, always was. It, like, I, even, like, I always, I always remember music in the dressing room everywhere. 
he was not, no no music. I think you were a fan of Damien Dempsey, is that right? Yeah, I would have been a fan of Damien Dempsey. You, you yeah, played yeah. just before a massive game for us in Europe, and you played Apple of My Eye. Apple of My Eye, yeah, Juventus yeah. away. Juventus yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and was anyone annoyed at the no pop, no music policy? Or I can't remember. I can't remember there being no music. Yeah. Now that you say it, I'm like, was there no? There yeah. mustn't have been any yeah, music. Yeah. But no, I didn't, didn't look for that stuff before a game. You wouldn't allow it, like, and he wouldn't allow like see, see ankle socks. Yeah. Wouldn't allow ankle socks, you know, training yeah, socks, yeah. you know, you, you have your normal socks, had to be football socks. Like. Had to be football socks, yeah. yeah. So he had rules. Oh, oh, he had yeah. to stick to them, yeah. 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 And of course, uh, the famous last day in Cove, uh, Rovers fans actually flew into this one. It was labelled Con Air. And uh, <laughs> t- tell us what you remember about this. Rovers took over the town that day. Yeah, I remember uh, we went down actually and slept in the hotel. We went down early, didn't we? Yeah. Stayed in the hotel and stuff yeah. like had had proper pre-match had a uh, yeah. sleep and stuff because we knew we were I think we had planned to stay down I think yeah. because there hadn't been controversy before the week before or something like or was it that uh, that night actually Dundalk were due to play and their game was called off I think yeah. wasn't it we they were due to play Finn Harps or something weren't they and we had to get a result we even if we lost we were going to win it mm-hmm. but there was 11 goals a, yeah. yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. 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 the week yeah. late wasn't it was it yeah. person Toy scored, scored. Yeah. last five minutes yeah 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 was yeah Baz saved the penalty. Baz saved the penalty. Mm-hmm. Didn't we didn't want to get away a penalty. Baz saved the penalty. Yeah. 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 Scotty's speech. Were, were you watching that? Or? I stand right be, beside him, actually, I think, when he yeah. very near to him when he was coming out of the dressing room. Um, do you remember uh, <laughs> Do you remember one of the fans shouting something at him just before he went to, went to say one of, the, one of the long-time fans? He only resourced there recently, Butler. He was just in the middle of making this epic speech after winning the league. We're showing and and Butler shouts up, "Show us your Mickey!" <laughs> <laughs> it's actually you can hear it really well in the in the audio as well. And then he randomly showed up in Daily Mount two months ago. The guy who shouted that you'd know I, Butler if you saw him. Baldy fella. I'd never seen know. him in person. Someone said to me, "It's the first time I've seen him in ten years." Mm. There he was in Daily Mount in the the hut. Seriously, you definitely know him if you yeah. saw him. Um, so uh, yeah, Rovers took over the town that day and. Uh, Celebrations were wild, absolutely wild. Yeah, it was when they brought us into Cork, didn't he? Danny Murphy looked after us, I think. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. Danny Murphy's playing for Cork. The left full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This one, actually, this is when I knew that my time was up. That's a strange one. How did that come it's about? A story, a story involving Edo as well. Right. Ah, I mean, I mean Ryan. No. Yeah. <laughs> go on, go on. I knew it was like. Yeah. There was actually a few. Yeah. I'm always, yeah. I'm almost finished football here. If this is the case, but remember walking in and we won the league. Everybody's buzzing in. And then I walked in, and the two centre halves were sitting in. The, in well, where all the bedrooms are open or whatever, so walking in and out. Two centre halves were in the bedrooms. One of them was straight, the other one's hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, football is shame. Name names, name names. Name names. Is it your hair getting straight in there? I see the way he said two centre halves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we had uh, something here from Paul O'Connell. Not Paul O'Donnell, as I apparently said recently. Sorry, Paul. He said, uh, Andy scored one of the best goals ever by a Rovers player down in Limerick 2006, late on the season. He says, Farm had dipped a wee bit and we needed to, to beat them to put us put them out of contention. We were being written off for not having the bottle for a quick return to the Premier Division. Both Limerick and Dundalk close to us at the top. Andy had put us one up and he was trying to win the ball inside the Limerick half. And if memory served me correctly, he won a bouncing ball with his back to goal, knocked the ball over his own head and volleyed it from 35 yards over the keeper's head into the bottom corner. And that sealed a 2-0 win and pushed us on to win the division soon after. And it was not recorded by either club, 
on TV. So I'd Could you have described that any better? Yeah. That's <laughs> absolutely not what happened. <laughs> no. So Paul's, Paul's recollection of that has made that goal even better. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just stick with that. So I think there was a ball played up. It was a long ball. And I was faked as if I was going to jump at the centre half. And the centre half went went ahead and headed it but I dropped off him right. so he had headed it up into the air and I just let it drop and caught a first time on the volley from about 75 yards <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those actually I remember I it was very slow motion wasn't I remember it? the two goals in that game because like even this is this is a weird one That that's like a great goal but I was actually chuffed with the first goal because it was a horrible bobbly pitch and the ball was yeah. cut back along the left and I was hitting it with my yeah. bad foot as well yeah and I Hogan caught it all right Hogan Park, it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Hogan Park I think yeah oh. and I, I caught it quite well I was like that's happy days if you're a strike or whatever because the other ones are like one in 100 yeah, yeah, type yeah. goals but, um, I just remember it dropping and I remember you know what I just remember thinking I'm really set for this one yeah. it's on right in the right spot here and I could see their keeper I remember his name his first name is Austin I can't remember his second name do you remember that guy he's English in Dublin actually Austin, Austin. something but I just it was an absolute perler of a volley and I remember Detzer was running up actually behind me as the ball was dropping out and he was saying, hit it, hit it. <laughs> and, uh, I, I just caught it, caught it lovely and right over the thing. So, yeah, I didn't flick it over my head, catch it. Right. You know, you embellished the truth there. Yeah. <laughs> I think that game, like, that game was massive confidence that night because if I'm right, uh, Dundalk were beating with Monaghan the same night, like, you know? Yeah. And we knew, like, the, I think Monaghan beat Dundalk 3 0 and we were killing down after the game. Like, yeah, we yeah. just thought, like, yeah. Because we'd had a serious wobble then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, we were, had a few weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we'd gotten beaten down in Limerick yeah. in the. And Limerick were alright. I think yeah. Limerick had Bobby Ryan and stuff like that. Did they have Bobby Ryan playing for them and stuff at that stage? We ended up signing three of them. Bobby Ryan played for Limerick, definitely did play at that stage. Yeah, yeah. At that stage, we, we, sure. we had to remember the Robbie Callahan and those boys had Jarhead. Tommy Barra actually. Yeah. And we had three points deducted that season. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul Shields, yeah. That's the only reason why he was actually close in the end, really. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. the three points. Well, you were our only ever present in that season and one Player of the Year award. Would the Surely that's one of the, the highlights of, yeah, of the career, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, That was like, that's when you think back to the time, and I just, as you said about confidence and stuff like that, like, my confidence just didn't waver. Like, and if I was to look back at my matches now and analyse them, I was probably nowhere near as good as I thought I was, like, in the yeah. games, like, but I just didn't have, hmm. Scotty just gave us that confidence to think, like, that, no, don't go again, like, you know, and hmm. yeah, you only remember what he, what he asked of it. If you'd done that, you felt like you had done your job, like, do you know what I mean? Like, so it was always, the basics, you have to win your headers, like, and he'd be screaming at you on the sideline, like, if you miss one header, like, he'd be, he'd be on top of you, like, you know, mm. and I, so that's what gave me the confidence in that time, like, and, yeah, I totally enjoyed, it. that was, that was my favourite, just in terms of, I know it was the fourth division, Premier Division, wherever, like, fourth division, winning the fourth division was massive, because, the opportunity to be the ones that got Sean Crawford back into yeah. the Premier Division, but the bond that was there within that group at that time, like, was, was huge. Can anyone guess who won the, the Young Player of the Year award that season? Oh, was, was Eric McGill? No. You actually mentioned him earlier. Ian Ryan, no? Ian Ryan, yeah. Ian Ryan. He played actually. He played about twenty games that year. Like, yeah, yeah. I remember him playing. He came in at one stage and he played an awful lot because he ended up coming in and started playing centre midfield. Then he played right back. That's right. Then he came playing centre half. Yeah, yeah. I think he played centre half with me that day down in Cove. Like, you know. Yeah. I think he's now the star of the hair restoration ads <laughs> in the Herald. Funny lad. Like, funny, <laughs> lad like. funny boy. He's assistant manager UCD now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, the 2007 season, Scully boldly stated that the aim was to win the league at the start of the season, wasn't it? So for that to, for a manager to say that, like you said, you don't want to give 
anyone that the ammo to put something up in the dressing room like that immediately must have put some sort of pressure on you yeah. as as players like you were there from the start day though so did he drum that into players yeah I don't think he was I don't think he was putting pressure on us that we probably didn't come from the group within anyway like you know like yeah. probably work rate and, and effort was was always never questioning like, probably a little bit of quality ended up letting mm. us down but that year I think we got a horrendous list of injuries like our early <coughs> list was mm. you broke your foot yeah near the end. missed the whole season yeah. well year, you like, think the squads that were in the Premier at that yeah. year right, and where we were coming yeah. from where Rovers are coming from I think we played Drogheda and this actually I actually ended up falling out with Scully over this uh, an article before this match but we ended up playing Drogheda four or five games from the end yeah. and I think we were five points behind them we were second I think at the time yeah we were second yeah. five points behind them and if we had a one it would have Close yeah. the right mm. type of stuff, putting they went to the beat us or whatever. But uh, like, if you would have said at the start of that year you'll get that squad of players to that point in the season, second mm. in the league, yeah. it was like, and that was only because of that type of stuff, that expectation yeah. of saying, yeah, we're going to win the league, yeah. we're going to. Everybody just sort of bought into that yeah, type yeah. of stuff, yeah. like, and just yeah. said, yeah, yeah, and expected them to beat all the other teams because yeah, we're going to, we're trying to win the league here. Yeah, like. yeah. But he signed really good. Like Barry Ferguson came in that year yeah, yeah. and stuff and. Adam Morphy, remember signing yeah. from Galway and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, really good boys that were like yeah. bought into what what was recorded. Yeah. Like, you know, like, was Alan Morphy next year? No, was on. Oh, I thought like was the first game. Of was season? there? Was there and all that was that season? Oh, was it? Yeah, right. yeah. So Alan Morphy's two thousand eight then. Was yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. But like with five games to go, as you say, we were still challenging. Yeah. I think we went to Bray and lost three 0 Baz yeah. got sent off. Oh, yeah, a freaky game. Like, and yeah. then we didn't win any of our last five. Yeah, we went from like second to not the even wheels. European contention. Uh, there was a five one against Pats. Pats away, yeah. Well, Remember it? the team that played yeah. that day? Like, you know, oh, that was yeah. kids playing. Like Dean Lawrence was only like eighteen. Still Dave playing centre half for Blue yeah. Dave Vickery and all. Dave Vickery playing yeah. away full. Like yeah, that was a real that like this like the squad just the arse fell out of the squad at the end because we were just. <laughs> So yeah. many injuries, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Scully caught. kind of fell out with a lot of people. Like Daisy Baker, he sent him on loan yeah. to the dock. That was just yeah. that was two thousand and eight. Yeah, yeah. Just before, and then he came back and ran a muck in Tala. But um, and you're still the last Rovers player to score two hat tricks in one season, and you did it in the space of two weeks. UCD and Galway, you must have been on top of the world after that. Yeah, so good. Twiggy not doing that. Twiggy not in the space of two weeks. Not. In, you got two hatches for Rovers, 2009 and 12. Oh, okay. One against Galway, one against Dundalk. Dundalk. He's just got one row of goals as well. But no, uh, yeah, no, it was, that was a time I remember getting back. At the start of the year, I was struggling with uh, a back injury and stuff like that. And I remember getting it sorted out in the cap with Alan Bourne. Um, and I had a bit of training and I was getting back fit and stuff like that and I'd scored one or two goals before so I was starting to feel myself but um, yeah it was Galway first and then UCD I think right. were the hat-tricks but uh, yeah it was it, it was going well it was in good form felt good like you would always be fair overs as well yeah. when Scully was the manager you always like, felt like you were you were moving and what I used to feel all the time I was playing there's two really good fellas I would, I would have thought play for the most straightforward guys there were Paul Dillon and Pasquale because mm. you had about three things to do when you were playing for them that's all you had to do didn't have to be doing all sorts of other stuff or making stuff up around like that you were just given three jobs to do like get out in front for the ball give it to the midfielders and get in the box more or less yeah. that's it <laughs> don't do anything else that's all you had to do so um, and at that stage like we were playing like at that stage we were also playing real well yeah. we were playing like 
we were up the top of the league. We were like going to like Galway and um, Galway didn't come up with us. They, they were already a Premier Division side, and UCD had been Premier Division side as well for a while. Like we were just expecting to go to those places and those and play those teams and just win yeah. every week, like yeah. no problem. Yeah. And there was lots of there's lots of good players in the team, so um, yeah, it was good. It was a good time. Like I say, it was one of those things again that you're saying. It's nice to have the balls at home and stuff like that. In the probably why the fans as well are fond of you as well. I mean, two hat tricks in two weeks. Yeah. It's definitely probably one of the reasons. The UCD one was yeah. brilliant, though, wasn't it? Like the second goal in UCD was a good goal. Yeah, yeah. Someone brought that up. I actually. think we're just about to talk about that. But the UCD game, you're still the last player to score a hat trick for Rovers with no interruption, as in no other teammate scored, no other opposition <laughs> player scored. Just the scoreboard, minor, minor, minor. There you go. You're there the last. Yeah. Yeah. So Mark Turner. And he said, what was Andy Moyler's favourite goal for Rovers? He reckons it has to be the one away to UCD. You took down a long cross on the left of the box, controlled superbly and unleashed a cracking right foot strike. Outside of your foot, top right corner. Is that accurate? Is that the one you were How accurate Sweet. is that? So, I tell you what, the lads love adding to the goal. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years was a lot. They just aged well. Uh, there, was a, there, was a, there was a long ball over the top. I remember Rennie played a ball actually into the corner. I think I had got Connor Kenna and Tony Mack who's one of my good mates behind me running there towards the end line and it sort of bounced up a bit nice and it, actually if you look there who's the keeper he's a foreman as well he's played for Bray um, Pierre Chair no, no wasn't it what's his name Quigley Quigley that's yeah, Darren it Quigley. Yeah. Darren Quigley he had come into a bit of a weird position and the lob was on over to the far uh, corner because I think it didn't even make like it, the actual shot I'm not sure made the top corner it actually bounced down into the corner on like, the line yeah. and back up into the right. corner so uh, yeah that was nice but the one in Limerick I think actually might be my favourite goal yeah yeah <clears throat> well, and overall you scored uh, well, the Galway game what was significant about that was you got the hat-trick in that and after that you broke into the top 20 all-time League of Ireland goal scorers that's right you got up to 129 you finished on 131 yeah which leaves you 17th just one behind yeah. Mick Leach so it's obviously some of the legends in that top 20 and you're in there. Yeah, that's nice, but like you're not anywhere near as good a player as Mick Leach. Like, uh, doesn't matter. Like, those guys had loads of grades. I remember somebody saying to me actually when they were doing that one, I did some photo shoot for that top 20 things and there was like, the, the Rovers fellas in it are like legend, like Paddy Cold and all of these guys like, and Mick Leach, all those guys, like legend, legends who have like 50 caps for Ireland and all that kind of stuff. Like, so it's a bit apples and oranges some of it you know but it is nice to be to have scored a few goals and be in the top 20 or whatever it's nice mm-hmm. nice thing to be able to say but um, you don't I think it's number six, who's number 16 who's number 18 and who's number 9 and all that all <laughs> different stuff like that some fellas scored a rake of goals and spent half their career out of you know in another country yeah, scored yeah. loads like Twiggy yeah, yeah Twiggy for instance Twiggy yeah. probably be the, like, Twiggy played 15 years in the League of Ireland yeah you know? if, if only if only he had a stay on what, what could have been but then again I think that team was near into an end to be honest I mean I think it had reached its like with Michael O'Neill going and, and the fact that got Kenny coming in it was doomed from the start that's the way we always thought because we always said he inherited that team Kenny inherited the team that he had pretty much blasted the year before with the whole <laughs> Turner Zaid incident mm. so he had already hammered that, that, that whole dressing room and then he inherited them so it was, it was it was always going to die from day one anyway that was, that's just my opinion of it but 
we'll move on to the best players. We'll start with you, Aidan. Best player you played with and against. This is this would be an interesting one. <clears throat> Mr. Piero on the wall there in the Rovers in the Rovers top. Yeah, no, like I don't know. It's players that played with. Uh, who would I like? It's a tough one, like who like Jesus Christ played with and against. It's tough. Come back to me, go to Andy. Andy, go. <laughs> I always struggle with this one as well. Yeah, I like it's, it's been pulling the spot. It's hard. Particularly the played with one, right? Because different periods of your career at different main different things. Like that's what yeah. like I associate the success that Twiggy brought to to the group. Like as a main reason why, like I'd say he would be one of the best. Like do you know what I mean? Like and I know so it was only over for two years. Like do you know what I mean? Like but the team the team without Twiggy in it and the team with Twiggy in it was a completely different team. Like, do you yeah, know what I mean? like it was like personality was just well. everything. You just it just gave the team. Uh, uh, an opportunity to win. That's mm. what it was. Like, do you know what I mean? There was there was so many opportunities taken away from that group when Twiggy didn't play in the team. Like, mm. you know, if you go out to, I remember going out to Sport Fingal and thinking, like, if Twiggy wasn't here today, we would have lost. Like, he rounds the keeper and scores from the fucking touchline. You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. not not many people could have do that. Like, oh, you got the Bray away to win the league. Like, and he rounds the keeper again. He scores from a cute angle. angle. And then he, yeah, yeah, he's, he was, he'd no right foot for someone to yeah, be that yeah. good and have no right foot. Couldn't take a penalty. Yeah, yeah. Like. It was just like it was just bizarre, like you know, like but I'd, I'd have to say Twiggy Twiggy would be probably up there for like it's it's this crazy one because I played with players like uh, that I necessarily probably didn't play League of Ireland with like that I'd associate that had more like I played with like John Reid like I don't know if you you know John yeah, yeah. centre half like yeah, yeah. I played I, against him yeah. I played with him at Dublin Bus like and he was he was a good bit older than me but he taught me the game so much like you yeah. know like so. Tom O'Clark like was a centre forward that I played with a double bus as well and he would have been he played like Andy, exact same as Andy like. And they were the players that I learned more off the likes of Andy, Tomo, these players because it was a different type of centre forward than your average centre forward that you played against, so I was used to playing against like so uh they were always the ones that the ones you play against like it's difficult I always found Glenn Crow like to be to be top class, like yeah. you know, really did, like you know, because he haunted us many a time. Yeah, yeah, really. I thought he was. I thought he was. I have to say, that. Glenn Crow, Neil Fenn, those type of players. Never, never worried about anyone with pace or anything like that. Never found them problems. Technically, Neil Fenn was brilliant, wasn't he? Technically, Neil was mm. was incredible. Like, you know, uh, that group that he was with at Cork that time. We played them when we were with Kenny. Actually, we got them in the FAI Cup. Like, and you had John O'Flynn up top, Neil Fenn in the hall with uh, George O'Callaghan mm. and. Joe Gamble, Liam yeah, Kearney coming down off the line, team, like, yeah. Roy O'Donovan on the other side, Dan Murray sent a half Alan Bennett, like, yeah. Dan Murphy right foot, or left foot, and Neil Horgan left yeah, right foot. Proper team. And uh, the other boy was in goal, he was in goal for years for them. Mick Devine. Mick Devine, yeah. like. And then he had, uh, they actually that played that day, it was your man Cochrane played centre half, like, he was yeah, a monster. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did a good, a good side. So, I, think, I think it's hard, the best player, because what I find actually where, is. The way the League of Ireland is, especially, and especially if you're moving around clubs, is actually, you spent, mm. like, you could be even at a club for two or three years or whatever, but the other people are moving around you and stuff, so yeah. you don't actually get them. There's yeah. a couple of lads, I remember playing with, actually, Gary Dempsey before he went yeah. away to um, Aberdeen, played, like, I played about six months down Still the Still playing with Greystones, I think. And he was, like, you could see it with him, he was a really, really good player, really good player, like, he was only a young lad. Played a hunty down in Waterford as well, oh. actually, for the, the six months, and he was going to be a good player as well. Like, yeah. there's a lad that played a uh, thing, uh, Darren Beasley, played at uh, Drogheda, he's a midfielder. Like, not, most people wouldn't have heard of Darren yeah, Beasley, no, he was no, over no. and went back to England again. He was top drawer, like, um, that type of stuff. But then, playing against, I think, 
this fella's like um, I don't want to name any centre halves as well because they're all fucking <laughs> yeah. no but playing against fellas I remember playing um, fellas like Faye, Keith Faye, Fats yeah. and stuff like that when they came back I remember actually playing against him up and draw for Pats and he wasn't back that long and just thinking but this has been just after a stint with Bluebell yeah yeah and just thinking who is this fella yeah. like he shouldn't be yeah. he shouldn't be playing yeah. at this level and then the obvious ones like Joey and Doe and all of yeah. those guys like were always really like top notch players uh, Wes Hoolan you know yeah. you could see it but like uh, Keith in particular I remember thinking that guy has a gear yeah, that nobody yeah. else on this pitch it's where he can ping a ball as I said the back can never he can access ball. Like, he, one of those dudes he runs as fast as he needs to run yeah. like he probably beat the fastest fella but he never looked like he yeah. could but his stride was effortless wasn't it like, yeah, yeah he was like just it was really, and then just on the ball, he was magnificent as well. Like. Mm-hmm. Joey and Dahl, when he came to Rovers for that period of time, you remember no, what, three or four his, months maybe? It was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Do you remember the 3 0 win versus yeah, Cork? Cork? The Joey and Dahl show? Thinking <laughs> over Colin Healy's head and yeah, put yeah. it through Liam Carney's legs, and it was just like. I remember Dan Murray got so frustrated that day that he absolutely walloped the ball into the, into the, the stand. And he got dogs abused for for ages, yeah. for ages over. I think they nearly, I think they were struggling with money at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what. That's the only reason. Like they, 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 they weren't going to travel up that day. Or think, yeah, I think yeah. that was the day they take the pictures in the boot of the cars and stuff oh, that were going around those circles like the car was like you yeah. know. And was not was it Tom Coughlin? Was that the, yeah. the guy the gaff the the mm. owner at the time? He was yeah. on the RT News and everything. Yeah, yeah. I remember going to I remember going to Liam Havens. Was a physio just down the road here beside the the um. So the shopping centre beside the submarine there mm. like, and I'd be going in there and Joey would be in there like you know he would be doing rehab and stuff and, like, and the stuff he could do with a golf ball in there like he was just like yeah. just messing around like you know like when he yeah. was saying we couldn't do that with a balloon like you know like, <laughs> he's doing it with a golf ball like, you know it's just unbelievable it's you know? so yeah, again, for, finally the best player you played with played with oh, sorry against I mean you've you've had a you've been in the European yeah league. yeah like, like, yeah like the European ones are brilliant, but they're once off, like you know. Like, but I think the ones, uh, the ones that don't press you off in a once off game, even in the game itself. Like, uh, once off games, like that boy at Mary that played for yeah. the was unbelievable. I remember the tour, no, he got two. Where did he go to? I was, I, I got the move. I, I, got, <laughs> I got caps for England. I know, like, you know? he, he'd yeah. only just signed for Juventus, hadn't he? he signed yeah. for Fiorentina, or he went to Fiorentina after Juventus, or something like that. I was like, like expecting he, him to be the like, yeah, he got capped for Italy. The next Based week. after that, yeah. And that was it. He never got capped again. Yeah. Got him a cap for Italy. Didn't say thanks. So, um, a bit of news now. We, we finally convinced the lads to have a drink. I was on the water and we didn't take much to get Andy on the ground. <laughs> Andy wasn't even offered. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> what happened, lads? <laughs> <laughs> if there's a spare one gone. <laughs> we, um, of course, sponsored by Penny Hill. And a bit of news, Mikey O'Connor's long spell ended at Finn Harps after scoring three goals and 16 appearances. So that was a bit of a letdown for me because he had a, there was a, bit of, he was a bit of a prospect. That goal against Bowes and he just had a bit about him. And uh, he had more yellow cards than he had goals. Eight yellow cards. Eight yellow cards. So By June. By June, yeah. And uh, a charge sheet as well, including that one. From the Dundalk Air Station. <laughs> so he's released by Rovers. So he posted this on his Twitter. I'd just like to thank everybody at Shamrock Rovers. Uh, it's been a pleasure to play such a big club. Wishing all the players and staff all the best in the future. So all the best to Mikey because he was he was, mm. he was he was he was a bit of a fan favourite because he was a bit of a naughty lad, wasn't he? 
So we, we did like him and that's his plus a goal against Bowles is always good. Before he actually came out with that, saying that he'd been released, like it was unclear what his status was. So people were laughing at my interview with Brasder because I asked him at the end. I says, where is he feature in your future plans? And just for, very matter of fact, he went, Mikey won't feature. <laughs> did he? Yeah. He did that before as well. Literally, we had a Dutch yeah. guy on, on trial at centre-half yeah. and Carl said to him, so uh, will we be signing like... Did you like the to look at him? Yeah. Go, no. <laughs> yeah. That was it. Gave away five goals against Celtic, yeah. So in the Champions League, um, Cork lost 1-0 at home to Legia Warsaw with an absolute screamer. Did you see the goal? Well, wow. we're talking 40 yards maybe. Side foot. Wasn't even top of the laces, wasn't even outside. It was I, a side foot kind of curler into the top left corner. The footage wasn't great, so I had to replay it to make sure I'd seen what I'd just seen. Unbelievable. I was like, took everybody with shot. So, yeah, yeah, that's them. Still in the toy, just as uh, just as much as we are. Well, Caulfield was pretty much given up, do you know that? What did he say? Like, he was asked, uh, like, what do you think going over the second leg? He pretty much shrugged his shoulders and went, you know, we had to, we had to get a nil-nil going so over there. Let's not forget, Pats went over there and scored, didn't they? Fairness of Bradshaw, he came out after the first leg and was really positive. He was mm. like, no, play's not over, half-time. I think it's a different level, though, isn't it? I think so. Well, I think it's a different level. To a certain extent, I think. I mean, these, these games are always going to be tough. But look at look at Partizan Belgrade, and look at Israel as well. I mean, those are tough away games. So anything can happen. That's the way I feel anyway. But uh, Dundalk won one nil away to Lavadia Talon and Smoky Dylan Connolly scored with the goal. Uh, Dylan, John Player, Blue Connolly, <laughs> selling smokes on his Instagram. What an absolute weapon. For <laughs> sake, um, and then we had him in uh, Carl's most recent cartoon as well, which was a great read again. Prof, fair play, you. Have to show it to the lads later. My league okay. running cartoon. Yeah, so Derry lost two 0 to Dinamo Minsk, and there was a boycott at the Brandywell as well. Only a little over a thousand fans there. They had a banner. What was the banner? It said, "We're not, um, we're not on, we're not disloyal. We're just working class because they were charging twenty eight pound." Into the fixture. Well, an eighty percent price increase. What do you expect? That's insane, and they did it before as well when they're playing the showground. So they actually had no excuse. Yes. So, uh, like you said, Prof, it was an eighty percent price increase, which is a it's, it's extortion, really. It's, it's shocking, and you'd never catch Rovers doing that. Let's be honest. Uh, Cliftonville lost one 0 at home to Norcheland, and we'd face them in the next round if we were to get past AIK. So imagine the Cliftonville Rovers toy in the next round. Bit of a love in. Uh, Glenavon had a shock 2-1 win over Mole. I didn't see that one but he managed by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and as high as 25-1 to 1 at one point their first European win in 23 years was that home or away? that was a home they had two it's players in the holiday and one on his honeymoon <laughs> and they still won Jeez. and Cotterain were winning away to Spartak uh, Subotica in Serbia and they conceded a 96 minute penalty and drew one all and their manager was in the holiday too. Holiday? Um, are you the talking, manager? Yeah. Are you talking like... Manager? Yep. Sunning themselves in Alicante or... It's outrageous, isn't it? <laughs> I, think, I think he's only a part... Like he, he's a PE teacher. <laughs> like still. It's It's not as if you have an old coming up. Oh, this is this is a frequent thing. They haven't moved on. It down is actually. This no. has happened many times. Since you your football mentality. Yeah. yeah. And then we Crusaders as well, Prof. They got smashed 7-0. Yeah. Against Ludogorets of Bulgaria, and uh, no, so because of Europe, there was only one league game played on Friday night. So Bowles lost three 0 at home to Sligo, and it's meltdown in Daily Mount. They had a huge banner that said, "Let's push things forward." 
and then they had probably the worst performance of the season <laughs> and they lost 3 0. And, uh, and they're furious over losing Dylan Watts too. Snap, and we got a couple of Snapchats. Nice. Or, sorry, we got a couple of screenshots of uh, the Bowls Forum, and they're snapping over losing Watts. They're not happy at all, and he's a smashing little player. He's looking, Serious player, yeah, player. looking very good. But they're not happy at all. It's meltdown. They're in a relegation battle now. I think they're four points off off Limerick. I think Limerick have twenty one points. Bowls are twenty five, and they're right down there. Drag Pats into it. It'd be great crack. They're lucky they've got two basket cases down there. Keeping them up, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? The whole Bray thing, we'll talk about that in a while. But, um, yeah, so it's uh, Bray Wanderers, they've been news in the, we- in the news all week. And the club, you finish your career with Andy PFEI released a statement on behalf of the players. It's been seven weeks since they've been paid, and players had to pay for their own operations. They vote to strike, which is a force for me. I've never, I've never seen that. And John O'Sullivan had an incredible interview on Soccer Republic. So, uh, Andy, we start with you. Have you ever been in a situation, anything like this before? <laughs> Regularly, yeah, uh, yeah, it would have happened at quite a few clubs. There would have been, I mean, like the ones that were well documented, like when I was at first season at Drogheda, and um, they ran into a bit of difficulty. I think that would have been in the papers and stuff like that. So, um, and there was threats of talk of strike and whatever. We didn't strike in the end, and money was found, whatever. But at Bray, last year was a Bray, there's money issues as well, yeah, uh, at Bray, um. There's nothing that, like, there's times, it's a bit like I was saying to you, even the time at Longford, there's, there's times when you're playing for League One clubs where nothing adds up when you do the maths on it, like a very simple set of maths on it in terms of you don't have big sponsors, you don't have big crowds, mm-hmm. yet you've got, you're starting to sign players on two-year contracts that yeah. you know will be on decent yeah, yeah. Yeah. money. And there's, like, a, a world of every sympathy for all of the lads who are involved and in, in, uh, not getting paid wages and stuff like that. You must know, you must know if you put any due diligence into it, that that two-year contract is not getting anywhere near paid up. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember actually one of those. I think I've tweeted about Bray last year or the year before. I can't remember what it was because I heard them doing two and three-year contracts. It was just along the lines of I'd love to believe it. Yeah. But I just don't. Yeah. That's not going to yeah, come to fruition. Um, the license and stuff is just. The it's just a nonsense. joke, isn't it's it? A, it's a process that tries to prove that subs are, uh, clubs are in some way compliant. It's not a process to try and, uh, which it should be, to prove that you're not and up to yourself to prove that you can actually um, come up with the funds and whatever. So um, it's, not, it's not a rigorous test of anything, the licensing system, um, because you seem to be able to get through it no matter which way. And if you don't get through it, we find a way for you to get through it. There's no realistic projections in terms, like you mentioned, the sponsor. Look at the crowds Bray gets. They don't seem to look at it like, how likely is it that all this income will come in to yeah. pay these players? They don't seem to take that into account. No, absolutely. So, and I think one of the things, actually, one of the, remember chatting with somebody from Robert about this years ago, and I think, like, gate receipts don't take up a huge amount of Rovers' projections in terms of what their income will be it's right. actually on much more because you know yourself you could have a thousand three thousand this week one thousand next yeah. week it's very mm, depends on results at times as well yeah hard to budget yeah. on that stuff so you need a much more concrete base whereas like it's quite obvious that clubs are budgeting on the fact that they're going to be challenging for leagues and cups and everything every single year which is just point the sky nonsense yeah. and apart from that now it's the FEI should not be allowing clubs sign people on any longer than 12 month contracts when they have Issues like this. Yeah. Like Bray, when they had their issues two or three years ago, shouldn't have been allowed to sign anybody on it longer than a 12-month contract for the next five years. 
Do you think sure. the FAI care enough about the league to? Do Do you think that they they sh- like, can you you're you're quite critical of the FAI? Um, what What do you think they can do to to improve this? I actually think like fundamentally, senior football needs less clubs in the country. Really? I think there's too many clubs. There's too many clubs at all levels of the game. Actually, I'm going to go on a bit of a soapbox here. Go for it. Go for it. There's too many clubs at all levels of the game. In order to be a schoolboy, junior, you name it, completely fractures all the money that's in the the game. Um, like I would say on a, the odd Saturday when I go down, even play in the United Churches League down in the VC Town. I've played in that. There's three yeah. or four clubs playing out of the same set of pitches, even. Right. All getting five hundred quid for a set of jerseys and the thing off the bar. If they played actually in the, out of the same club. They'd start to don't, don't say that because we sell the jerseys. We yeah, that's what <laughs> we still sell the jersey. We still have the same number of teams. Yeah, no, yeah. But yeah. we're just actually, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I'm and probably allows to buy better jerseys and more jerseys, whatever else. Yeah. And I, I can't get my head around this stuff because like anybody who wants to set up a team in Ireland can just set up a team. Yeah. It just fractures. We did it ourselves. We set up Glenmore Rovers, a Rovers fans team in yeah. the UCFL. So. It was more like MMA than anything, but... Yeah, but no, I mean, like, yeah, it's the worst form of football. Now. Yeah, it's amazing. what you call it. It's, you should, you should, like, that type of stuff shouldn't be allowed. And it's the same, like, there's 22 senior clubs. There's nothing about professional football in Ireland that suggests there should be 22 mm. professional clubs. So are you a fan of the 10-team league? I'm not really a fan of the 10-team league because I actually think that's too small a number. Yeah. What's your idea? Um, I think I think we should try something like a 14 or 16-team yeah. league. I'm, I'm, I'm the same opinion. Um, and... Like it hasn't been tried for so long. I don't know why it's not been tried. But I, I, sorry, I do know why it's not been tried because five or six clubs are going to need to bite the bullet there yeah. and not be clubs anymore. But like you've got your braids. Like the FEI started up Cabin Tealy a few years. I don't know where that stuff was going. Like Bray, Cabin Tealy, um, even the likes of the the Wexfords and stuff like that. I know some of it's a regional balance and stuff, yeah. but like some of it's just never going to work from a professional football point of view like you look at Rovers as a professional football club right and really and truly where they're going with their stadium their youth set up and everything else like that that's what you're aspiring to yeah. as a sort of a club setup. like is that ever going to happen in well here's like, the thing is the, the appetite for football is alive in Ireland there is an appetite for football there but why cannot we, why can't clubs get attendances like they're like for instance like I said I was speaking to a Swedish guy recently and he was telling me that the Allsvenskan was in a terrible state in the early 2000s and mm. he said the attendances were, were, were horrendous but if you look at uh, the most recent derby between Hammerby and AOK it's 30,000 at it mm. Hammerby get 22 to 25,000 people every week it's it's on a par like they get 8,000 and up from every club so what they, they said that there was just a national identity thing where everybody just kind of came together and said we want our league to get better yeah. we, we need this to improve but why can't Bray with a population of possibly 70,000 maybe yeah why can't they get 10,000 every game? Why can't Rovers get 10,000 at their game? There's probably 80 to 100,000 people living in Tallaght. Why can't we dip into that and get 10,000 people at our games every single week at our home games? It just baffles me. I don't know how... Maybe there's more work to be done in the community. Maybe we should... Maybe the, the demand for football is, is just not there. But I honestly think the demand for football is there. Maybe the GAA could be a part of it. The demand for that. But I just honestly cannot put my finger on it. I would love to see us get maybe between... The minimum five thousand for each game, and then upwards. But what what is the trick? What but do you I, do? I, I'd suggest that like actually the football model over here in Ireland actually is like you you look at where rugby has gone in ten years in Ireland, and 
like I must say invested in that in their marketing and that's absolutely the, the, like, that's the brand the, big, the branding yeah. element of that is like just incredible they just went after it yeah pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and pushed it until like it's the same as the Sky thing you can watch the worst possible game on Sky on a thing it's a nightmare game Premier League game yeah but you'll be told afterwards it was unbelievable and the next one is going to be even better yeah. you know this, do you think that's like propaganda thing do you it's think a it's like that? but that's what they need to be and we've never got into that space like the FAI has never got into it because it's all listen loads of people have said this before it's always more interested in the international game and what might yeah. happen with the international team it's never spent the money it's not prepared to spend the money on the national game yeah. it just isn't and uh, but then you have the kind of that attitude that these what we'd say these bar stools and plastic paddy fans would have is they say oh the league of Ireland is show you I wouldn't go and see it but let's be honest these guys will shell out thousands each year to travel all around the world following an Irish national team that play horrendous football. But the, when you see when you look at the Bray situation, the Bray situation doesn't help anybody. Luke. No, you know like yeah. that's 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 the that's for everybody to look in at and say the the league is struggling there. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like so, uh, uh, in a sense, I know you're saying like you shouldn't have two year contracts. I've no problem with the two year contracts. I'll be more inclined to go in with a wage cap, look, you know, mm. and say. They can't spend over this much because they struggled, and because they struggled. But oh, like that, right. there might be a wage cap across the board to an extent, yeah. a little bit like the American model, where you can have three or four players that earn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. How how air culture would allow players like that to come in and, and mix with air boys? I don't yeah. know. I don't know if we're we're suited to be able to deal with that, yeah. but you know. But I think if, if if you can base yours a little bit more around the wage cap that they have to walk through now, yeah. and they have to go go down to the fourth division and then and then and then to come back again, like I, I'd, I'd be more inclined to do that. And guaranteed in their wages for two years, instead of saying right, we're going to pay him eight hundred quid a weekly. Because now everybody knows that yeah. Bray can't afford to pay a player for eight hundred quid a weekly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's that's just unrealistic for yeah. League of Ireland football. Yeah. At, at this level, like, I just wonder mean? where the, that money is being generated from that they did promise well, these players. It's obviously a private investor. It, it has to be a private investor. But then your models change. What what's the employee investor investing in the football club for? Is it for the pure love of the game? And I'm not highlighting Bray here. I'm highlighting the fact that is it the private investor's pure love of the game, or is it the hope that like realistically you look at people uh, uh, investors in England and stuff like that, or even in Scandinavia, anywhere like this, they can come to Ireland and take over the ownership of, of a club in, in the Premier Division, and they've a forty percent chance of getting into Europe. Like. Mm-hmm. Top four are getting Europe, like, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. they have a massive opportunity there straight yeah. away to say, we, we can take real investment here and we have a real opportunity. But you can go to the Championship Club, okay, like you'll never get to see our team play in Europe, like, yeah. you know what I mean? like, and you can earn some really good money yeah. at a, a fraction of the budget that you would have if you're running a, yeah. a club like Rotherham or anybody like that. Yeah. Like, you know? mm. I think one of the issues with lots of the cases that lots of the clubs that have had these issues, there's been the whiff of property deals and everything yeah, else in yeah. the background I reckon they're buying up a hotel on the seafront you know I mean? that's been the rumor, that, that, isn't it? but that's always been the case with a lot of them in terms of people have seen part of the development of the clubs as yeah. you know sort of over, you know land swaps I remember Drogheda were the same I remember Drogheda yeah, when they were looking to build their stadium yeah. there was going to be a hotel included with apartments yeah. and stuff like that what do you think Pats are trying to do now as well yeah yeah and like that's what that's what like you go to Scandinavia and stuff. That's the way they are. Like, you know, like it, it's a business. Like it's not just about the football. It's a yeah. it's a whole business environment. Like, no, so exactly, yeah. what else can you do within your company to yeah. make it viable? That it's not just dependent on a Friday night and a match day yeah. with the fans turning up, as you say. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's also down to ownership as well. But I can be corrected on this. Like I said, I was speaking to a, a fan, an Alsvenskan fan, and he was saying that every club in Sweden has to be fifty one percent owned by the fans. Hmm. 
which is a big thing as well because they're only going to have the, the a similar thing in Germany yeah they yeah. they have every good intentions I remember in Germany about 10 years ago in Bundesliga they capped all their tickets like yeah. all the ticket prices same as League of Ireland yeah 15 quid in I think yeah but yeah, Bundesliga if I remember was 10 euro it was like, like 10 euro yeah wasn't it sure, I mean yeah. how much are our tickets now for, for Wednesday I think it's 12 well you, you see the stuff that Rovers have been in recently they had a really good really good videos they've had out there yeah. recently about yeah. the match day experience and stuff like that like imagine just just imagine kids watching that like yeah. that's like almost sky level yeah that's what you need though, wasn't it? Like, but imagine sort of the FEOI in partnership with RTE or whoever it is going yeah. after that and actually yeah. producing that type of quality and just saturating the yeah people's mindsets with it you'd mm. start going yeah, yeah I think so they give it a chance they go look at the effort RTE are putting into this yeah. it will just resonate in their minds and think you know what? We'll, we'll give it a go and we'll mm. see what happens well, especially when you have so many players in the, in the Irish squad that have come from League of Ireland like, you know yeah Corner, corner well, it's a tough note to crack. I mean, I was, we we're actually doing a piece on it soon enough as well. Where we're, we're what we call a League of Ireland curious, where L-O-I we're trying curious. to L-O-I curious, where we're trying to drag in mm-hmm. like a bar stool or we're going to give them the full experience. It could be an away game, could be a home derby or something like that. But we'll bring them into the suite, a couple of points, the whole match day experience, and interview them beforehand. Say, why don't you go to League of Ireland? Why, why do you do what you do? And then afterwards, and see what he thinks. You know, so we're we're trying to touch on that market as well but, but it's not even like it, it, it's almost not a fair Tala's not a fair experience do you know the type of way of League of Ireland because if you go there first you think your expectations would be high it's just all the other places that are actually you know where it probably lets lots of places let itself down yeah, you know Oriel Park being yeah, the one of the jacks there's a wall over yeah. there yeah but um, we're talking about the Prof you have the someone was talking about the points being scrubbed uh, just uh, if Bray's points were, were wiped out, Bows would be in a, in a relegation spot and we'd be two points closer to Monaford. So Which could, it could would be happen. beneficial. I mean, it's, not, it's not totally a uh, point in the skies so if it could happen, but the, we'll talk about the World Cup. France and Croatia is on Sunday. So predictions and give us your show, Ayo. I've loved Croatia since the start, but I have to say, I just yeah. thought they've just... They've been a joy to watch, like you know, and you, you just talk, you think, look at everything about them. It's just about the group, and then you have those Modric playing for them, like you know. They have a lot of winners and a lot of big, big players playing for them. But you look at each player. Like, like you look at, you look at, we're talking about our, our country and our culture and stuff like that. Like same size population. Pr- mm, they're smaller. Pretty they're, much war torn yeah. for the last how long? Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, like, you know, it's Martin O'Neill and Billich arguing over who was smaller. <laughs> and O'Neill was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> they're smaller yeah. than us. Yeah. There. Yeah. Wow, it's it's unbelievable. Apparently, I think it was somebody on the Rovers chat was saying that their school structure is designed to let them be involved in sports. So yeah. it's like seven to one, seven a.m. to one. Then they play sports. It's mandatory yeah. straight away after school. The way the draw opened up, though, at this point, I'd be disappointed if we didn't get a new name on the trophy because you had like England, Colombia, and Belgium, and all these teams in there. So I'd be disappointed if, in the end, France just won it. But yeah, what about you, Annie? France. Yeah, very good France team, aren't they? I think two or three nil to France in the final. You think so? Yeah. I think it'd be comfortable. Do you only think Croatia look tired? That, that's, that's what I would that's, say. Like, that's part of me thinking them. I think like they've had both extra time. They were out on they were out in the last game, they were out on easily. And um France the freshness uh, of France like, as as like they just strangled Belgium to death. Yeah. And it was fairly easy for them in the end, I think. Yeah. You'd be happy as well, prof, if France win, you've got a hundred euro coming your way in the sweep, in the junior hoop sweep. <laughs> I'm still waiting on me 24 quid. Let's build it down a few quid if France win, isn't it? I look forward to collecting that from Bill Gleeson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Let's Maybe. look. laughs> I'm still waiting. Sounds like previous there. Uh, natural order resumed on Wednesday. It rained in Dublin and England lost. Oh, it was away for two weeks, right? 
weather was fine over there, no problem. But all I'm hearing about at Dublin is 30 degrees, 25 degrees. The day I get home, it rains. The day I get home, it rains. Unbelievable. And England lost, of course. So football is not coming home. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cameraman who's a pro for the Croatian celebrations as well, he was caught underneath a pylon, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> And you, I, I did not know about this, Prof, but you were, you have something about Harry Kane's Irish roots. Because no, he got Irish roots. Yeah, Tony O'Donoghue did the whole piece on it, apparently. Was it Monaghan or somewhere like that, was it? No, was it, yeah. it wasn't. What's the Maybe obsession with his roots? Yeah, I, I don't know. know. We didn't nab him anyway. There was a chance that we could have nabbed him at one period of time. I remember someone talking about this when he was only getting into the England time or something like that. Yeah. Like. And I know you might get this. Who did he score his first ever sports goal against? In Tala. Yeah, he certainly did. 18 years old, wasn't he? Yeah. I remember, I remember him coming on in White Hart Lane as well. Um, and he looked like he's actually a, he looks a lot fitter and all now than he did then actually yeah. but uh, I didn't realise he was so young at the time I didn't realise he was only 18 Modric was on the bench in wire lane I remember yeah, I didn't actually come on I remember when Rice had scored and Redknapp threw out Bale and Modric to warm up straight yeah. away and fuck <laughs> so up next we have uh, an interview with the Oldham based mm-hmm. Terry Doran Okay, we're here at the big Rovers AIK European game and we've got fans all the way from Oldham, uh, Terry Doran and his wife America. So what brings you here and how long have you been following Rovers? We've been following Rovers since uh, 97, the, the glorious week we had in the Alaman. <laughs> Rovers, Oldham, Preston, the Alaman and Wrexham and Wigan too. <laughs> and um, we first met Rovers fans on the day when Oldham beat Rovers 5-0. And we became friends with Big Deck and Jimmy Conroy. And uh, we've been like blood brothers ever since. We've been to in and fro in, they've been over there. We've, you know, and um, we've, we followed Rovers when you were sharing grounds. We um, eventually came here for the opening game against Sligo Rovers and um, spent all afternoon in the Maldron waiting for the go ahead and uh, telling tales uh, not from the East End but uh, particularly from the Isle of Man and other places some of which are censored but uh, we were invited by the Ultras to come over here and uh, watch them putting all the flags out and I took pictures uh, which was a great honour at the time and we were staying overnight in the Maldron we'd asked for a room overlooking the pitch overlooking the stadium and um, all, all that day they were putting all the finishing touches to the ground but the night before we were up in the bar with Jason Maloney and some of the young ultras uh, re- recounting some tales and um, on, on the actual, actual day um, it was about 5 o'clock I think before they got the go ahead to do it but about half past 1 in the morning we were up on the balcony of the hotel and there was a, a shining light in the sky and it was um, moving quickly and um, I managed to get it, capture it on the camera but I, I couldn't master how to transfer it over at the time and it just, just went like a flash whereas it was moving it wasn't a plane or anything like that but I think it was an omen you know it's coming over the stadium and um, following day beat Sligo Rovers and uh, all the heartache of what was it, 13 years 
was not forgotten but uh, put to one side and uh, since then we've been lucky enough to go to Sweden, Denmark, Estonia, Lithuania and Tottenham and to see grown men cry at Tottenham when Rovers took the lead was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Didn't matter about the end result and then we were here when Harry Kane's scored his first goal for Tottenham and um, you know I think the rest is history really isn't it as far as that's concerned <laughs> people know your nickname on the Rovers Farm Cousins Dozens obviously a big fan of Tony Cousins or he scored the hat-trick didn't he in the Isle of Man tournament yeah yeah uh, yeah it, 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 in, in the 5-0 defeat he, um, he didn't play the following R- Rovers had to play two games on successive days and the second one was at Ramsey and um, he flew in for that and um, we were behind the goal at Ramsey and there was only a very small space and then a high wall so we were stood virtually on the net if you can imagine behind the goal and then this high wall and then a terrace and um, they're playing Preston, Rovers playing Preston Within the first few minutes, a Rovers player sent a dodgy back pass and Preston player was in and scored. So it was really all over from then. But the, they had a, a Preston had a Finnish goalkeeper and um, Jason Maloney was um, keeping him laughing all through the game. And they were singing um, two Lassiverans. That's probably long before your time. He, he was a runner, yeah. And uh, any Mika uh, hacking or any, anything they could think of that was finished, you know, keeping the guy, keeping the guy laughing. Uh, but at half time in each game, the fans were allowed to go on the pitch in the Isle of Man and uh, a penalty shootouts, very informal, you know, organised between supporters of each of the clubs. And they talk about pressure in the World Cup, but pressure when you're facing this high wall and then a bank of Preston fans they were there in large numbers and there's a funnel of fans on the pitch leading to where the ball is on the spot and you have to run down this funnel and occasionally somebody pulls the ball away with the foot when you're about to take it <laughs> now it, you tell, tell the international players what pressure is you know but the Oldham fans won every one of the penalty shootouts during the week and to walk off the pitch at Ramsey with this bank of Preston fans singing We're the Pride of Lancashire <laughs> was one of the highlights you know. Preston fans stayed in touch with us we've been to weddings of, of Preston fans who were in the Isle of Man and um, when Oldham played Preston in a league match uh, we went to Preston met up with one of the lads from the Isle of Man we're late getting to the ground because of delays in the pub and a much longer walk as a result we were scattered on several rows in the older men, we were losing 3-1 we got it back to 3-2 and my son, our son was at home, listened to Rovers at St Pat's in the game that could decide the league and uh, Dean Kelly was a substitute and he'd been on loan at Oldham and uh, our son was listening to the commentary and he was texting and he was telling us that 
uh, Kelly's been brought on as a sub. I'm turning around, talking to two or three rows back to the people who are in the know, saying Kelly's on as, as a sub. It'd be fantastic if he gets the goal, which he did, and he became a legend. That man can talk for England. Yeah. It was well, the Isle of Man tour in 1997. He's been following ever since then. then. The epic where Beach got his name. Do you know Mark Kenny yourself? Yeah, yeah. That's where he got his famous nickname. Did you, ever, did you listen to the show? He, uh, we, now, I, I still don't believe him that this is the real reason that he got the name Beach Boy. <laughs> I think I know the, the real one. But uh, who was beside him? It was Tony Cousins was saying. Tony, Tony took over a story and he said, OK, here's how he got the name Beach Boy. So everybody's having a drink after the game on the beach. And some fella had a ball, he's doing volleys down the end of the beach. So Mark Kenny saw him and says, Right, oh, I'm gonna get a hole. So he took off all his clothes and he sprinted all the way down. Your man didn't see him, he two footed him, took the ball <laughs> and then just walked back up in the nip with the ball in the right hand. That's what he called him the beach boy. But I heard something else, which won't be on air. <laughs> your man Terry, uh he, he was in town with uh, you know Jim Conroy. Yeah. Jim Conroy and Big Deck. So the the three of them were in town watching England game. And there's Terry with an England jersey on. So the two lads have to be respectful when Croatia score. <laughs> I saw a good video on, on yeah. Facebook as well of uh, it was four or five England, English lads asked an Irish fella, what, how do you say it's coming home in, yeah. in Irish? <laughs> and he told oh, him, yeah. Chucky a lot. <laughs> it's a raw singing Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mick Conroy said, um, he said, just a comment. He said, best wishes to Andy Jr. and Senior. He says, and Aidan was one of my favourite players and captain during the tough transition years. So Mick was a guest. Mick used to do the Glenmalore Gazette. I know Mick. And well. Mick was a guest here recently on Monthly Madness with uh, Jason Maloney as well. I saw Mick do one of the most amazing things on a Gaelic football pitch before. Oh, yeah? One of our kids, right? So myself and my brother. My dad was the manager of the Gaelic team that Mick played, a junior Gaelic team that Mick played on in Coolmore, near Coolock there. And... Uh, Mick was, if I remember this, I hope we get this right, but Mick was a good enough player, in fairness, and he was, uh, I think he was corner forward at this day, but he caught a ball and was running towards goal, and just before he put it over the bar, he spat on the ball and then kicked it over the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my brother were like, couldn't believe it. We were like, we were only 14 or 15, and we had playing in this game for some reason, there wasn't enough players or something like that, but it's like the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> did he say what was the reason? No, just this thing he obviously did. He got <laughs> on the ball. Whacked it, look. whacked it over the bar, it was like amazing. He'll remember that, so he's a good memory. Yeah. And um, Terry, in his interview, mentioned the fourth game in Tala. Describe the journey in those three seasons and the emotions, uh, the emotions that the fourth game in Tala uh, you can play in. So, did you play in Hado, yeah? Yeah. What was it like coming out for the fourth game? Yeah, it was it was incredible because it, it kind of caught us off hop a little bit because the fans were in early that day. Like, you know, we talking about Pauke before. If there was ever overcrowding, right? Because there was you, no stand on the far side, if you remember at that. Yeah. First. A quick story. I'm nearly sure this was this was true. The game could might not have went ahead because the overcrowding was massive. Yeah. It was I, we were in block A where the ultras were originally, and it was jammed. And I'm nearly sure the cops were going to shut it down, right. but someone got shot up the road. So they had to go and deal with that. So yeah. they're like, right, we're going to deal with the shooting now. We let them all get crushed. We're seconds away from postponing yeah, the game. I'm yeah. nearly sure yeah. they were, I think. But yeah, no, that was it. So you, when you walked there, what do you think? Yeah, we were there early setting up. We were, early, we were out, came out for a warm-up like, and the place was jammed already, like, you know. Um, so that kind of makes sense, what you're saying about overcrowding and stuff like that. But it was it was a proper atmosphere and you knew it was it was a special occasion. It was one of those moments where you knew that you, you just had to win. Like, yeah, you, you just yeah. had to do everything. Didn't play well. 
I think we go two 0 up. Wind and rain as well. Yeah. yeah, I I set up Twiggy's goal. The little header down from for his little swing and volley. What a half volley! volley. <laughs> uh, and then I remember, I remember, I never forget. Alan Doyle came on for us in that game. Like, and he got slaughtered when Michael O'Neill. He lost. I think Ireland Davenham. He lost Ireland Davenham on a run down the corner, and he dinked it to the back post for Gavin Pearce to score. He had mm-hmm. two one. Like. Didn't Toy Porcel get released for something similar? Yeah, I think it was a similar. I think there was a game. For against, not tracking back. Yeah, Dundalk possibly. Like I think there was a. He wasn't. Michael wasn't happy with him over. I think. Oh, I'm thinking it was Dundalk at home anyway. But he came on. And he hammered him, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Did the players sort of feel the weight of history? About no, that I don't game think or? there was. A, it was just an excitement. That's all yeah. it was. Like it was only. It was only. There was never any pressure on us. I don't think there was. It was just purely. It was an opportunity to be part of something that was all good that was going on at that time. Like, and yeah. it felt really good like, because with Michael coming in and uh, the the kind of prestige that he kind of brought with him, like you know, like I know he had only he had come in from Brecon, like, but you knew who he was, you knew what he was about. And Do you remember your first ever squad meeting with him and what were his first words? Well, yeah, I, I tell you, when he when he took over first, I was I was originally still I was still the captain, like you know, uh, and he used to ring me up to arrange to get the boys together when just before he had started like do you know what I mean so he, he'd ring me I'd, I'd get all the lads in to tell them when we were, we were coming in because what happened was at a great time for pre-season we had our date whenever it was in January uh, but he wanted to come in and meet all the players uh, over the Christmas period so he put on a few coaching sessions like nothing major just normal come in have a, have a look around um, so they were they were the basics ones at the start like and then uh, then when we went up one of our, our first pre-season trips was we went up to the north. We stayed in Jordanstown. Um, and we played... Just His big thing was, actually, was that we never done five sides around like that. Like, you know, everything was based around 11 v 11. Like, right. Always around 11 v 11, like you said, because you felt you, you picked up too many bad habits in 5 v 5s. Which is actually a good point. Yeah. So everything we done, as much as we did, and the whole thing in Jordanstown was always 11 v 11s, three 20-minute games twice a day I say you love that yeah it's brilliant. brilliant brilliant because it just it allowed him to dictate what way he wanted us to play like, you know, and like, it would really iron out the as in positional sense for him because he'd really get to see yeah. how good yeah. the players are in certain positions well, he had, he had, he had Brian lads on, on, on trial and stuff like Dave Webb came in and played I think yeah, he played right. four games Chisholm Ross yeah. Chisholm Ross Ch- yeah, yeah. Uh, was in Craig Sivs was in for that period of time he still hadn't signed because he was coming back from injury and stuff um, so it allowed him to get all those players in, like you know, um, and, and have them playing the way he wanted. Like yeah, so yeah, no, it was good cool times. And Thursday wasn't just uh, the European game; it was actually the five-year anniversary year of of Tata time, the book. Ah, the prof's book. So I was going through some quotes to uh, for stuff to ask Edo. I noticed how many assists you got for Twiggy. You mentioned the one the first game. It was you who launched the long ball for Twiggy. The winner of our balls. I still remember it. I'm and still. I'm looking at it right now. It was an angled pass. It was an yeah. angled. <laughs> it was. Do you know yeah. what? Launched pass. Yeah. yeah. And it was you who put Twiggy through for the second goal in the three nil win, yeah. where he turned Ken Oman inside Ken Oman inside out. Yeah. Three Throwing famous assists. Inside out. But the two one, the first derby at home, still one of my favorite memories of a Rovers game ever. I mean, the, the, like I said, the fault was there. I just I'm, I'm standing on the barrier there just after that I completely fell off it and then he broke my ankle and then we had to pull fellas out of the bow section running in after him and it was not, we were still celebrating the fourth goal and literally torn to look and the second goal went in and we were just it, it was unbelievable unbelievable and you know what it was actually quite a poor game yeah it was yeah. They, we didn't do much in it we didn't create much uh, someone said Bradshaw played well that day I didn't I didn't 
I have no recollection of that, but it was just one of those games. I think Brazil played off the right that day for some reason. I'm thinking, thinking like, but, you know. Uh, what, what, a, what a moment, especially when the, the, the header in particular. I think Brian Murphy was a little bit to the left or to the right. Yeah, he was poor for the goal. He was, wasn't he? He was poor for the goal. He should have came and he didn't come and then he changed his mind. Like, and the little flick. The little hat. Yeah. <laughs> you with the little flick. Oh, it's such a Because you think memory. how low the ball dropped. Like, yeah. I, I took the free kick from the halfway line, like, or inside there at half. Like, and you think how low the ball dropped for Twiggy to finish. Like, yeah. You know, like, yeah. Excellent, excellent stuff. So, um, other highlights from 2009, Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah. I was only watching that recently. Sean, do you know what? Shawnee O'Connor was excellent yeah, that day. Shawnee was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. He against Marcelo as well. Yeah, he, he, ran, he, ran, he ran him ragged. He was brilliant. Like, uh, yeah, that was brilliant. That was around the time that was just, it was nice. Like, you know, it was the, the club was coming together. You could feel that there was a proper great vibe around, around wasn't place, it? Like, and, uh, Considering the times that you've had, obviously that were a lot harder before I came, even like, but you know the the eight hundred people in Talca Park against Galway and stuff like to have this kind of feeling around the place, like, and everybody wanted to be involved with the club and everybody trying to get on board at the club, like it was it was very special. And Real Madrid was just a bit it was weird. It was fucking bizarre. Like, yeah, know, it's it was surreal. Like, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Like, when we were going for, we had pre match across the road in the Maldon, like you know. And, uh, I didn't start in the game and I went up to get a cup of tea like, and Michael just pulled me he's like listen you won't play first half play second half and I was like sound no problem yeah. you know, like, and, and he was laughing saying but you might have to mark I don't know who it was he had said like Pepe or something like that or, no there was ben a German did a big German centre half that was playing for me he was a, he Metz Elder Metz Elder yeah. that's who it was he said mm-hmm. you might have to and I was just I was joking and stuff like you know but it was brilliant like, yeah. and I, I think that stood us in good stead for the European games for the club going forward after that like, mm-hmm. you know like because Juventus the year after Israel the one in Israel was brilliant like, but I think it has stood the club in good stead then the success of getting to the Europa League and so mm. I think that Real Madrid game was very important for that like, you know? yeah. yeah I think it was massive for it because they only be beating 1-0 like, I know obviously they're yeah, only dizzy, dizzy with the chance they're yeah. only in pre-season I know it was that first game and they're not going to be pushing it but I think there was something in it that allowed us to build on something especially the year after anyway. I mean, that, that was, was, that was well. nine years ago that was Ronaldo's debut, yeah. and he's just left now this week to the Juventus. Pat Flynn, um, oh no, we had Pat and the linesman on the head in Dundalk. Do you remember that? It was a four-two win. What a game! It's on Desi's YouTube, free kick. Yeah, remember yeah. Desi's free kick? Yeah. That was a cracker of a game. As you can see on YouTube, we scored the, the free kick, and then you're these are celebrating near the crowd, and then yeah. you just pat the linesman on the head. <laughs> <laughs> And then we have Pat Flynn. Pat Flynn was here and he talked about Israel. And is, is Pat as mad as he is on the pitch, on the pitch? Ah, he's brilliant. Like He's absolutely like... It's like... I, I, I used to call him Hank and Charlie, like me, myself and Ernie. Like, that's, like, that's, <laughs> really? that's it. That's just like... He just sees the red mist and he's just gone. Like, ah, you know, he was but, great in here. He was, he was fantastic on our show. And um, yeah, he said the group became really close after that. Yeah. After Israel. And he said he knew you had Juve in the next round as well. Yeah. yeah. So, like the big thing, the big thing, like I know we we, we knew we'd get Juventus in the next thing, but I swear the big thing for us that week was that we knew that if we won that game, the event or we were supposed to play UCD, that was going to get called off. So we knew that if we won, we get a night out in this yeah. Like that's all it was. Like <laughs> <laughs> I heard a certain member of the fourth team wouldn't keep his clothes on in Israel. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, but it's no surprise who, who that. Was. <laughs> But Israel was, he was a doing sprint, sprint something down the corridor like uh, four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> getting timed by the assistant manager. Assistant <laughs> manager. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, 
I, I, I think uh, everybody was in whoever didn't travel to Israel. I think they were in the Maldron, yeah. and they were streaming live, mm. and it was absolute bedlam in the in the place then. And um, did you travel to Israel or Italy, Andy? Were you any of them? No, wasn't any of those games. No. Was that the rail? Obviously, at the rail grain mm. and stuff like that, but not the away games. But uh, it was serious, uh, serious occasions, wasn't it? Mm. To get through and actually play you, and then, of course, yeah. Del Piero, the the biblical reign in Modena. And uh, Killian Fitzmaurice says, "What's Aiden's memory of the Juve matches?" He says, "I walked out with him in the first leg as mascot." Ooh, uh, yeah. The fourth leg, the fourth leg was was brilliant because it was little. It was just a little bit. Do you know who I thought was very good in that day? I thought Man Sissoko was was good in yeah, the middle of the park that day. Yeah. He just yeah. bossed it. But you know what? The the, the big thing about him was yeah, Marquisio was brilliant. Like, yeah. he was yeah. unbelievable. Like, but Chiellini like was just um, like everything he done. You see with him now, like all over on corners, like hands on top, you all then he was shaking your hand, like yeah, he was yeah. sucking you in, like you know, yeah. just smiling at you, like. <laughs> Then he just wouldn't let you out of sight, like you know. Yeah. And, and he wasn't the biggest fella, like, but he was so aggressive, like. And Twiggy, I tell you, like, he was fucking constantly rattling Twiggy, like you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the coming out to the game and all the atmosphere, the build up to it, uh, was 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 incredible, like you know. It was really top class. And then the game over there, I think, was a uh, was was just it was just a different level, like you know, because when we flew in the first day we landed, it was scorching. I think it was about thirty six degrees, like. We were told not to be on outside or anything like that, like, um, and then we woke up the morning of the game, like, and it was just thunderstorms, like, constantly, like, you know. It was biblical, it really yeah. was. There was yeah. literally, like, a, a foot, at some stages in the pitch, it was like a half a foot of water. Were you amazed that it went ahead? I think, well, what, what they had said, well, word was that, listen, this has to happen because we're not playing it the next day, like, you know, it just has to get done, get out of the way, like, you mm-hmm. know, because we were supposed to play in the... Uh, Stadio Olimpico wasn't it I think you two were playing a concert that's exactly there. what I was yeah. uh, there was talk then uh, if we hadn't been flying we had a charter flight we weren't flying out we want, they wanted to bring us up to the U2 concert and stuff like that yeah. like, you know uh, but uh, it was just it was just at a different level like you know I remember coming out the way the dressing rooms they were up on, under the thing so you came up the steps up onto it like you know uh, and when we walked out whatever way the stand was the stadium was you couldn't really see any of the fans faces like of the away fans like, it was just black all yeah. the way around, but then all you could see to the left when he came out was the Rovers fans, like mm. no clothes on any of them. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> and I'm looking at me dad, my dad's up there, I was like, What are you doing? Like, you know, put your top back on. <laughs> I remember talking to him after I talked to him before the game, he was saying they were down the square, the big square, he said it was incredible atmosphere and stuff like that. And I talked to him after the game, so like, you, you just got sucked in. Just, yeah, that was just what happened. Like, one started yeah. and they all just went, like, you know? everybody was naked, might as well join them. Yeah, and this time with a free kick again, I was looking for clothes, and Dan Murray said that big Al. Wanted a big wall, yeah. and you're in the wall with him. Yeah. And Del Piero lines it up, yeah. and you're thinking he's just gonna lay it off here. He's too far out, and then he hits it, yeah. and apparently you said that's in. Yeah, and straight away, and it was in. Like as soon, soon as he hit, I, I didn't even turn around. Like I just knew that's in. Like it was just the way, it, just whatever the flight it takes. You just yeah, know that's, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. that's gonna cause all trouble. Yeah. Like you know, there's nothing happens <laughs> to do about it. Like, you know, and uh, you just yeah, no, you need on the pitch. We want to clap. Like you know yeah, that kind of way. Like yeah, it's yeah. that. Who said that as well? Someone else said that. Flainer and Brazzer yeah. said that to each other. Should we play? Brazzer turned around, yeah. 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 Brazzer actually said to Del Piero, why would you do that? And he said to him, uh, I don't know Brazzer said it this week. He says, uh, I do that every day in training. That's what he said to him. <laughs> I do that every day in training. And it's just like, 
And as as a, as far as football matches go, like in the ninety minutes, was there anyone trying any little tricks with you? Like as in the strikers, the pinch? Yeah, they had a, they had the fellow up front for them, Diego. Yeah, the Brazilian. Yeah, it was unbelievable, right? right? And there's a picture actually of me. The, so the rain is fucking battling down, pitch is flooded. First half, like couldn't. Uh, Brad was probably the best player in the pitch that day. Like Brad was incredible that day. Like Brad could have played for them that day. Like that's yeah. how good he was. Like you know. Just in terms of use of the ball, chipping over water just to make the pass. Yeah. You know that kind of like just clever. Yeah. He was chipping so over water. Why was he good at that though? Like? I, I don't know. It's just intelligence. The rest was trying to fucking force balls yeah. your way. Like he's like just thinking over there. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. But Brad's was Brad's was a different class that day. I have to say he was brilliant. Like, but they had that that boy Diego in front of him, and there's a picture. I remember uh, there was a picture of the ball coming to him. And he just threw the shoulder. He went that way. He's gone that way. Like you know, the ball's going with him that way. And just a big puddle of water in between us. Like you know, like, but no, there was no, there was no play antics or anything like that. Like but I remember Chambers had a great chance. I think back post. No, like, and Dan Murray got a Dan Murray had a header. Had a, a header was it? Inches away. Yeah, and he had a great header in the first half in the first game as well. Dan Murray had a header put wood. Like you know. Yeah. So you and Michael Neil met the fans before the Fingal game to ask for patience. Hmm. Was that a man under pressure? Did you? What did you two talk about before that meeting kicked off? There wasn't. I was literally pulled just before we went into the meeting. Like, oh, yeah. no? uh, and he said to me, "Listen, obviously you've been here a while. Uh, I think that's all he said to me. You've been here a while. Uh, all we're looking to do is just to settle things down. That's all it is." Like he said. Uh, so just all, all, all you have to do is say this. Follow me. I'll, I'll lead it. No problem at all. And that's all it was like. And all we were looking to do was just. I think we'd gone through a, a bit of a, a, a bad patch at that time. We just uh, lost the balls, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah we got. I think we got beaten two 0 out, out in balls. I think that that's right. And uh, so do we, it, it was just more so to just settle people down. I think we had quite a young group at the time that were probably feeling it a little bit, um, and it was just more so to get everybody on side and to be on the same way, like you know. A lot of Rowers fans apparently at the time read that as a sign of weakness. Right. Okay. From yeah. Mike O'Neill. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. No, I don't. I don't know where it came from. I don't yeah. know if Mike was asked to do it. I don't know, like you know. But uh, it was the only time I've ever been asked to do it. Um, mm. Other fans through their season tickets at Michael Neil. It's But um, here's the other big one. This is was this was a this is still a big moment in my Rovers career as a fan. Uh, what went through your head when Rovers conceded his second goal against Fingal? Yeah, I was devastated because. The first goal was clearly my fault. I took full blame. Like, and I remember the, what happened. The ball came over my shoulder. We were comfortable in the game. Like Chris Turner had missed the penno. Tommy Stewart had two great chances. Hit the bar with a penalty. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top corner yeah. came down off the bar. Yeah, and uh, that would have put us two 0 up. Um, Tommy Stewart had two great chances. I think they were one v ones. And the thing I were gone. Like they just looked like they were just going out playing a training game. Like mm. we were getting in time after time we just couldn't get that second goal like, ball was played over the top and uh, I went to take the ball came over my shoulder and I went to let it uh, it, it had bounced and I went to take the touch forward but it bounced up so high like, and by the time it came down Gary O'Neill just nipped it on me and scored like, and I was like oh. I remember you, you think who dragged you up who took you up off the ground was it Twiggy Alan Manis Alan Manis yeah yeah it was the thought of some of the players just on the ground yeah devastated like, honestly just, I just thought like just because it was literally only five minutes ago or I think it was only a couple yes, minutes ago no it was, it was yeah. only five and we, we, we talked on the ground that day Andy I think it was at that game yeah. do you remember the eerie silence yeah, yeah, yeah. after that goal it's never been that silent in that game I remember just thinking 
we've lost the yeah. league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've thrown yeah. it away. And that was the that was the general consensus from yeah. everybody. Like you know, even though the fact that I think what we should have done at that time was just stay for a one all then. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I think we tried to go and win the game, like which ended up yeah. hurting us more. Like and then the ball was crossed in. I went to try and block it, mm-hmm. and it was it was just pure just. Fucking freak, like, you know, like it was just one of them things. This can't get any worse, like you know. But you, you came in for a b- bit of criticism from the media and the fans yeah. at that time, yeah. but you responded really well because ten days later we won that replay, yeah. cup replay, semi final in Chicago, and you were allowed people to man the match. Yeah, and yeah. how important was that win? Uh, do you know what? Right, I was. Uh, it was. I remember playing the fourth game, the Pats game. Which was on the Sunday after. We was the Paddy Cavanaugh on goal, was it? Paddy Cavanaugh yeah. on goal. It was too old. Danny North, I think, it's got a Dave McAllister might score for them. And uh, I remember my legs were empty when the game. Like I had nothing. I had nothing left. Like you know, just because of what had gone on the week before, I was gone. Like and in fairness, like some of the fans had texted me after the Saturday night and stuff. That the night of the the Fingal game to say this and don't worry, um, you know, shit, okay. whatever. Like, well, which was nice, like probably the fucking 99% of them wanted to kill me like, but <laughs> the 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 Pats game the week after uh, I think Dan Woody had done his cruise ship by that stage like you know and he was out I, I could be wrong he was out of the team at this stage I think he might have been he completely was, out of yeah. the team at this stage like, missed, missed the cup final too yeah. yeah and I knew I knew myself that if I me as a manager now I'd say I would have taken me out of that situation like you know and I wouldn't have played I wouldn't have played me the week after because right. of what had happened, like you know. But because of the bodies, the way we were, I had to play, like. So that gave me a chance to to redeem, redeem myself yeah. somewhat, like. So I made sure that I, I, well, I remember the Pats game. My legs were gone, like I had nothing in my legs, uh, completely dead, like. And I remember going, and it was brilliant. Neil Fan pulled me, and he was like, "Listen, just just relax, like you know, like there's nothing. This this shit happens, like do you know what I mean? They can't change it. You can't change it now. You can go and play again." He was brilliant. Neil Fan was brilliant. I'll never forget, like you know. Um, and he was, I got the winner, didn't he? Was it yeah. the tournament got the win? Was, yeah. Good record against Pats, actually. Screen, Got a few goals against Great them. goal as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but the, the second leg, I felt, yeah, I felt back, back to myself. Like, you know, I knew the Pats game, the fourth game, I just had to get through, and then I'd be okay. I thought, like, and uh, and Andy, so at this stage, like you, you guided the Robbers A and under twenties teams to league wins. Yeah, held a nine and ten. So obviously, this was an exciting time. The club just having moved to Tala. So how much did you enjoy that time? It was an amazing time. Um, because the we like it was a great bunch of lads to work with. Michael was a very easy guy to work with. We found Trevor was there, was a good guy. The lads in the fourth team as well were, were really good guys. And actually, one of the key parts of when we won the reserve championship, actually, one of the key parts is that is the attitude of the lads that might end up in your reserve. Yeah, team the three players that dropped down. You know, type of way. Yeah. So uh, I, a good few, I remember playing a good few games for that. Yeah. it was brilliant for me because yeah. I think Michael was great for that as well. He exactly, respected yeah. it if he wanted to go and play that. Like, and know. he didn't. He, what he used to do was like he wouldn't send lads down to Cork to play a reserve game or not like that. Yeah. The, the games were in Tallaght Stadium. He'd try and dip as many in, yeah. or whatever. But we had a good, we had a good bunch of uh, lads ourselves. Like we had a relatively small squad because we knew the guys would always be coming in and out of the squad. But to have, I remember Graham Barrett was there. Um, Guys like Ada, everybody played. Every, listen, most of the fourth team lads actually played the game at some stage, yeah. but they were always really good. Because listen, I've been you've been around long enough for like some lads are a nightmare when they're asked to yeah. to drop down, down. Like, too good for this crap. All that none of them were too good for it. You wouldn't be here. You know that the yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's lots of times only get fitness or come back from injury or something. 
but it was a really good time to be there. And actually, I remember we—I think we won the reserve team the first year when actually the lads hadn't won the league, yeah. won the A League, and oh, the lads. Well, yeah. I think it was actually. I remember everyone was quite happy about the force because it was twenty grand prize money for the the reserves uh, oh. team the, the time we we won it. We we played in Salt Hill, Devon, uh, their grounds, and I remember Darius Kieran had played in the week before. <laughs> I remember just the worst piece of thing ever. Uh, he said. They've got a fellow with a really big throw, he said, you know. And I don't know if you've ever been at the pitches down there. The pitches are bleeding tiny. You, Everybody's you got a long throw. Yeah. Like, an eight-year-old can launch it into your box. Like. <laughs> the 18-yard line is literally four yards yeah, to the yeah. sideline, isn't it? And uh, I was like, oh, good one, Darius. But um, <laughs> the, what you call it? Uh, yeah, we had, we, did, we had a good bunch of lads. One or two, a lot of money that made their way into the first team, but that is like, that's what happens sometimes at a club like Rovers. They're going to sign a, a guy or whatever else like that. And the under-20s was actually was a better one the following year because um, I remember there was we played Bowes in the under-20s final on the Thursday. I think it was... 3-2? Was it 3-2? It was a night kick-off. 2-1. And it was the night before uh, the Bray game. That's what it was. We played on the Thursday night, I think, and Bray game was on the Friday night. We won the and title, I, yeah. I was just saying to the boys, don't, don't lose this game. <laughs> And then the fourth team win it, and then we go to the awards thing, yeah, and, you know. Yeah. There, the, and but they were, they were brilliant. We had a great bunch of like Sean Gannon was in that team. Remember, there's Jack cool, Memory was it? Jack Memory was yeah. there as well. Like, there's yeah. a few decent boys in that team. Mark um, Sanford, do you have Mark? No, no, I didn't have Mark. Um, but there was uh, there was some there was some good boys. And Larkin Shannon, have you been in that one? Larkin Shannon, no, he's the year after. The year after um, the fellas like Connor Murphy. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, playing with Cronin now. Danny McGuinness. Danny McGuinness. Yeah. So good little players, and uh, but it was a great time. And because like, listen, they were all excited playing. Like, it was easy to get lads to play for Rovers then, because like Rovers was just taken off. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah. It was a. Uh, it was a great bit of crack, yeah. And being part of Michael O'Neill's first team coaches staff, what was he like? Yeah, I probably found Michael a decent enough guy. Like he's, um. He's a really sort of, I, I, learned, I would say I learned a lot from Michael actually from just looking at him and how he dealt with players. And I heard his man management was next to none. It was, it was amazing. Amazing. Like amazing. Like he, he would say things like, you know, when you're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell this fella this or I'm going to deal with this, this is how we dealt with this situation. And it wouldn't have dawned on you at all to approach the situation like that. But mm-hmm. he, like he had a specific take on things and. It was just really, it was a really, really strong part. Like apart from anything, he was good on football as well. Like he knew what way he wanted to play and all. But apart from anything else, he was just brilliant with groups and the group of men that he was dealing with. Like, yeah. It was just amazing at it. And, and there was some boys in that team. This is a Turner. But that's what I mean. It's like, a bucker. Well, like Ada would be a completely different individual. Say then a bucker, a Turner, any of those guys. But they're all. He was able to get each of their levels to mm. to match. Like yeah. and because like. Like Desi Baker, Twiggy, all of those boys like are, are just so different. Because I've, I've I've played with Desi down in Longford and stuff like that. He's a great great lad, and um, but how Michael managed him and how he got his performance level right up there, like and all of the other guys, the guys that he didn't need to worry about that that would do it themselves. Yeah, he let them do it themselves. But these were like you know who needed the push. He knew how to get them up there. Yeah, and who needed who reacted to a punch in the head or who reacted to a hug, you know yeah. all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, he was. It was impressive at that, really impressive at that stuff. And uh, it's like to be honest, it's impressive on the game as well. I don't, we would have, I don't know if Edo spoke to him too much about that, but 
he was like when you spoke to him about football and even the European toys are involved in and all that kind of stuff like he he really really understood it and you'd you'd really started to learn yeah the type of things that you should be looking out for in games and everything else mm-hmm. like that it's it doesn't it's no surprise that he's he's where he is now he's ended up where he is now you, know, you can see it from watching the way they play and stuff that you know yeah. that like I, I remember reading an interview last before uh, they'd done well in the Euros and stuff, or after they'd done well in the Euros Johnny Evans gave an interview and what he was talking about like it's the stuff that you know, yeah. I was hearing from him yeah. Yeah. like eight years ago like, do you know what I mean like, and that's, that's, I think that's what's most impressive about him that he doesn't manage people in any different way yeah, he yeah, treats yeah. them the same way as he, yeah. he, he treats us it that's works just, isn't it yeah. he's yeah. had success and he knows what he's He's had unbelievable success. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's incredible what he's done. Like, you know. So, favorite moments from the European run in two thousand and eleven is there anything that pops out from either anyone's minds here from any nights out or any <laughs> incidents or anything like that. There's some great nights out. I would say so. <laughs> great nights out. Um, I remember, like, there's some, some of the. Uh, there's one unbelievable. Actually, the, we were in a in Serbia. Right. <laughs> Partizan Belgrade. It's the second leg. And we went out for a few points the night before the game. The staff did, not the lads. Right. The lads are on the bed. The staff had this. All right. We were down on these, I can't remember the name. Of the, it's not the, it's the sort of second river in Belgrade, but there's loads of these barges that go onto right. the river. Incredible places, like top notch. So we're in there, we're having a few drinks. And next of all, who do we look down and see, right, dancing his heart out, is the dock. Do you remember the doc? Super doc. Super doc. Super doc. <laughs> He's still around. I haven't yeah. seen him in a while. Actually. Super doc is giving it loads, right? On the, the dance floor, oh. these girls, whatever. I said that. So I whipped my phone out. Is there footage of this? There is somewhere in the world, right? Because Please I, bring it to I me. whipped my phone out and videoed the doc, right? Dance, whatever. <laughs> I had to see this video. He doesn't drink or anything, doesn't no, he? He's it was, not a no, it was incredible, right? <laughs> and uh, so when we're doing the team talk the next day for the match, we took the, vi- the the video footage and I remember I think it was Magilton stood up and was like you know the, the the thing was like we knew we were really going to have to do something special to get into the thing but the opportunity was there and he said like listen sometimes he said human beings can go to places that you just don't think they can get to and did it you know he said like you know they go above and beyond he said that's where we're going to have to go tonight he said he said we have people going above and beyond all the time, you know, whatever it was. I can't remember the exact words of speech, but and then we whipped out the video and played it on the screen for the boys. <laughs> and they just cracked up. Everybody just cracked up. And they sort of just, you know, lighting yeah. the mood and yeah, everybody yeah. thing. And we were watching it. We went on, obviously, you know, it's the result or whatever at the end of it. But it was like, it was an amazing thing. About it. And it, it exists somewhere. I think Fergal Kernan, the physio, used to have it on his laptop. That's how right. he did on the thing. I must have we'll we'll been used to the other time. I must ask him. And can you remember the goal going in? Do you remember McCabe crossed it in? The header goes out. What were you thinking? Were you thinking he's not he's not going to shoot? Surely. Yeah, it was like going into the Pat would have it in the locker. In fairness, he was a good player. Yeah. Pass over. Um, and it was one of those things like within a nanosecond of it leaving his boot. You were just like that's that's right. It's like the yeah. Del Piero one there. Cause There's the graph there. One of the lads did up a graph for us there beside the yeah. see there yeah. the angle and everything. We we're just like that's straight in because he caught it like the sound like it's like the sound of the ball leaving. It's like that's going in, and then the second goal was like just mayhem. Do you remember running on everybody jumping, pulling each other onto the ground and all like it was just mental. Apparently the the board the Serbia the partisan Belgrade board had booked flights and yeah. hotels. And they sorted the rovers like They looked after them, didn't they? Yeah. 
Did they? Yeah. They already booked it for the draw. So they just presumed they were going. It was to amazing. There's only four, is it forty-two lads there or something? Isn't it forty? The Belgrade forty-three. Yeah. So yeah. What they call it. So everybody was like in the the bar and all that. Was like, was really Watching the a, replay, was it? Yeah, just a really small group of. And John Delaney there. Just don't remember. Someone was there, or maybe Joe McGlue. So, someone along the lines that might have been Joe McGlue. And maybe. the same, and the same day, I think apparently one of them was putting money behind the bar or something like that. <laughs> and the same day, Monaghan went 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 bust, didn't he? <laughs> someone went bust the same day they were chucking money around. So, and I remember so, Paddy Cavan actually. That was in the same bar we went back to. He nearly got killed that night, Paddy. You probably tell you the story yourself because there was we're out on the the river. It's not the Danube, it's the other river in Belgrade anyway, whatever. But uh these boats come up to the other like big speed boats right. rock up to this place like and you get like some warlord with a whole load of models <laughs> off the, the thing like you know it's a, it's a ropey place like that part of the world is just over the war and all you know yeah. and uh, anyway Paddy Camden just rocks up and starts walking on your man this boat you know out there next of all these two fellas they just appear out of nowhere and try to grab Paddy <laughs> off the boat now we didn't even notice but Paddy obviously caught them coming and just dived off to, and scuttled in underneath thing. I remember Michael saying to him, uh, Michael and I going, Paddy, we're in Serbia. They're, they're not just going to give you a beat. Like, they're going to... Yeah, you're going to end up in the river. Yeah, yeah, you know, so it was... Oh, it was mental. So after that, uh, Michael Neil obviously left and uh, Stephen Kenny brought in his own staff. So yeah. you left the club. Yeah. Uh, that's the way that goes when managers yeah. change and everything else like that. Uh uh, and what way did it work out? Did you, was it a phone call? Was it a sit down? Had a phone. Kenny do it no, himself. Kenny, if it was a bit disappointed in that, it was that it took so long. Like actually, because I would think it was like well into the new year almost. So you weren't. Kenny sure. got appointed in December, just before Christmas, was it? Yeah, late December. You sort of weren't sure what you were doing. So, um, but that was listen. That's it. That, everybody's involved in football. Yeah. Takes that one, especially when you're coaching. Like managers like working with <laughs> fellas. I don't. No Stephen Kenny around like that. See, that was on guys. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fine. And uh, did you ever want to manage yourself? Yeah, I would have had a real like when after that stage, I would have had a real ambition around it. And um, but then I suppose other things take over, uh, like family and bits and pieces, and uh, what you call it. I actually I went and did a year of pats with the under 19s when mm. I left because of finishing off the A license, and uh, that was actually good for some reasons not so good for other reasons but um, I then I suppose I got new I started a new job in UCD and time started to become a real issue then with yeah. it and how am I going to balance these <clears> things and for the last couple of years I haven't even like I just wouldn't have been able to balance them so taking some some time off I just like th- then actually that's the hardest part actually when you take time out get back into it but you start realising that weekends exist and all that kind of stuff oh. and your missus starts realising that weekends exist as well <laughs> where you can be around and everything and you miss so. games for Bruno Mars concerts exactly <laughs> no, never been a thing like, so like uh, for the, the other 20 years of your life like every Friday yeah. more or less Saturday just Sunday is just taken up football. and you don't just never mind it actually like it but I think I always like to think I still like to think you'll go back in I'll, I'll get back in mm. I do still like to think it because um you just love it so much, you know. Yeah. You, want to, you want to do it again. You did find yourself in the the Rowers hot seat uh, very briefly one time, oh, yeah. though, because uh, you were at this point you were a transitional assistant manager. This was between the time Trevor Crotty left and Jim and Jilden came in. Yeah, yeah. It was a one nil win over Pats in mid July. <laughs> That's yeah. what you're saying to me, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Mick was sent to the stands for kicking a water bottle in frustration 
and yeah. you took over in his absence so you were a gaffer for about half a game there yeah absolutely I'll take it and was the <laughs> do you remember the riot in Dundalk was that 2010 we were beating 2-1 2009 2009 was it yeah. uh, do you remember that one there yeah, was a massive yeah. riot yeah. in the stands yeah. and uh, was Brazzer sent off I know Mick, Mick was sent off as well wasn't he Oh, Chambers maybe was sent off and was on the telly um, we, just, we, had a terrible, we had a terrible record up in the Oriole at that stage we got beat we? didn't we 2-1 yeah the man JJ Melligan oh, yeah. scored for them I think so yeah. Bocker was taken off at half time what happened there he, he hauled off hauled off but we watched back the video and Michael came in and apologised to Bocker and was like mm. you weren't as bad as I thought you were and apologised to him for really him. So that was towards the end we were coming up to the run in like, yeah, I remember that yeah I remember it was a, it was a big loss at the time and I don't the, even know that's what that's the same game like, I think that's the game I have in my head anyway Jesse I don't even know what prompted the, the rail on the stands I think I don't even know was that an afternoon kickoff? No, was no, that, it was no, night time. It was an kickoff, Definitely was it? night time. Yeah, I remember it being dark. Maybe that's not the same game, but I know the one we kicked out in the afternoon. It was a Sunday afternoon around that time. Like, you know, hmm. JJ Milligan was brilliant for them. And Alan Kinsley said, in his time at Rovers, who was Aiden's favourite partner in central of the fence? Ooh. Uh, I loved playing with... I loved playing with Darren McGuire. Dar McGuire, one of my favourite Rovers players. Me and the prof, one of our first forays in the football, was watching him and behind the house there for Glenmore Dundrum. Glenmore Celtic. Glenmore Celtic back then, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just in where I was playing against him. I was playing, I was playing for Dublin Bus and I playing against him. Yeah. And, Did you ever uh, play in the field just there? The Carlow Grounds? No. That's where Glenmore used to play, where Ben Dundrum is now. And uh, who else? Uh, Sibby. Sibby, yeah. yeah. And uh, so what was the conversation like with... Michael O'Neill when you were released at the end of 2010 <laughs> this is awkward as fuck <laughs> 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 I thought they usually flung oh yeah, yeah effortlessly yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I knew it was coming like to be honest uh, as I said earlier on I knew what was, that incident that Fingal incident was so big like that uh, it was obviously going to rank in his head like and then when it came to so we we won, out, we won the league at Bray I had to come off injury pull me groin in the game like I, only, I came off with about 20 minutes to go and there was a two a two week break I think between the, that final game and then the cup final against uh, Sligo and I missed the first week of training after that but I'd done everything I could to get back to Luke so and I trained the second week after like you know so I thought I'd done I thought I'd I trained really well and I thought I'd have a chance because obviously Dan Murray was out he'd done his crucial and stuff but he went, with, he went with Pat Flynn in the final, like, do you know what I mean? And I have to say, Pat Flynn was, I thought he was probably my man of the match in the cup final, like, you know? Uh, he was brilliant. Um, he played centre-half, Flynn played centre-half that day. Um, so I knew... Was Royce or Royfall, wasn't it? Uh, Chambers, I think. Chambers, Royfall. We, we definitely had a makeshift team, yeah, didn't we? Chambers played Royfall, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's what... And I knew then that, that the right was on the wall and stuff like that, like, you know, he, he's, he's mad, like... When we went back to the plaza after, like, <laughs> and uh, Mike was like, get us a drink, like. I was like, said to you, just drop me for the cup final, like, yeah. He's like, fucking seven up. He was like, fucking, I'm not fucking seven up. I was like, yeah, fucking. Anyway, I knew it was on the right. So he called me into, he called me into Rovers, in, into the stadium. Into when the you got the call, were you thinking, here it is? I knew, he, in fairness, like, Michael was brilliant. You, uh, you always got a letter from the club, like. Um, really? and a letter was the state when uh, you were due to meet Michael like, you know um, yeah he was, it was it was it, I have to say it was for, whether whether that was based on the fact that he went home to Edinburgh for a couple mm. of weeks or whatever like, but 
or where he he f- made the club look after it. He sent them the times and right. they decided on when you met. So you went to met Mike, I went to met Michael. Uh, and I, he just he just said this and he said I'm just gonna go a different way. I'm looking to bring in other players. I don't think I'm gonna be able to get you enough game time. That was it. Like it was fun. Try, but when we stood up like the the awkward thing about he went to try and give me a hug like. <laughs> It was the most bizarre. It was like a, it was like I went for a handshake. Yeah. He went for the hug. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. thanks. That was it. Yeah. Right, right. But I've met him a few times since. Like yeah. you know, and the crazy thing is, like anytime I see him, I still call him Gaffer. Like you know, yeah. Yeah. that's just like the, just what he is. What he was. Like you know, I had to say, yeah, yeah, no problems at all. And I, as I say, if I was in his position, I would have made, I would have made the same decision. Mm. And you played for Pats, and then you had two spells on the dark side. Yeah. And Pigsborough after you left Rovers, and so we won't dwell on that. Won't blame you for that. Uh, did it? Did it? Did, did you dwell on it at all? Did you think? Yeah, hundred percent. I definitely did. Like, but uh, still a pro at the end of the day. Like, I just, I just felt like that. Um, there was a couple of things that was on on my mind, like that. The offers, the other offers I had, weren't anything that I, I thought would challenge me, like, you know, and I just thought, the, the big one was that I knew I'd play, still playing big games, like, you know, yeah. and they were big games against Rovers then, like, and obviously I was, didn't want to be playing for balls. I can, I honestly can tell you, like, if Michael O'Neill had brought me in for that meeting at the last time, he had said to me, listen, I can't pay it, but would have signed, I'd have signed, like, yeah. 100% would have signed, like, and I knew, I would have forced myself to get into the team, which, I mean, like, that's the way I was, I knew he was going to sign Ken O'Man, I know he'd always tried to sign Ken O'Man, but I knew that if we had stayed, I would have played for free, no problem at all, like, you know. But because the, the reason, one of the reasons going to Bowles is because Pat Fennel was there, I knew he would have done things right, I knew he was he was signing really good players like Gerard Bryan, uh, he, he, brought, he had Killian Brennan still there, he had signed Christy Fagan, uh, Anto Flood, so there was some really top players, like, yeah. really, we, we should, actually that year, the first year I went there, we actually sort of done a hell of a lot better, like, um, with the players that we had, like, you know, but, um, yeah, I did dwell on it for an awful long time, like, and uh, well, I just made the decision based on the fact that um, I thought it would be a chance to still do something as a group. Like, did Bowles fans ever give you stick for being a Rovers player? No, they didn't, to be fair, no. because Bowles were on the knees, like, yeah. Bowles were literally on the knees, like, you know, and everything, the arse had fell out on the year before, and the budget had been completely cut, um, and they got behind the group at the time. Uh, to do well, like, but well, I think my first game against Rovers, they got sent off. Like, you know? <laughs> and the Rovers fans ever give you grief for something? No, they didn't. Like, no. To be fair, like, I think when I got sent off, they actually clapped me off, which was fucking bizarre. I don't know if that's just a, nice one, a good thing or a bad thing, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, Twiggy got me sent off. Yeah. <laughs> it usually matters how you leave, doesn't it? Yeah. If you leave because the club wants you to leave, I think there's always. It's always easier to come back. Yeah, or if you crawl up yeah, the you know, fence. as a player. Yeah, you know, yeah. If you, yeah. If you leave to go for an extra 50 quid, there's yeah. usually a problem. You yeah. know, or some players play. sneak out the back door like certain goalkeepers. That feigned injury in Dundalk. I won't say any names. But um, that, might, that might resonate in the fans' minds. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have an idea. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we'll, what else we talk about? Yeah, you left Limerick then in the middle of... Uh, 2015 they come to Rovers on a 17s manager yeah eventually promoted to the the 19s boss replacing Mark Kenny so talk a bit about entering management well I had I had decided that I knew that it was definitely something that I wanted to do was get into the coaching and stuff like you know uh, and I had started coaching down at Cherry Orchard uh, they had a really good there was 15s and 16s the 16s group there and they are really good group like you know and uh that was at the time that I was 
finishing up with Bowes, going to Limerick and stuff like that. Like, and they had a really good year. So we actually won the All Ireland with that group in the sixteens. Like you know, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, any who was the stars of that team? Anyone uh, got on now? King Collins that's with us now. Yeah. He was with them. Dean Dillon. Uh, he was in the group. Uh, Aaron O'Driscoll who's playing signing for Southampton. Uh, Tariq Wilson's Man City. Uh, really Mark Travers in goal. Was went to Bournemouth and stuff. Like, so yeah, really good group. Like, um, but yeah, so I signed for Limerick. Hand on heart, I, I probably shouldn't have signed. Like you know, uh, I probably should have just stopped playing. Not the same time as Brad. The Brad No, Brad had been there already and come back. Like and he he was finished now at that stage. Like but uh, I probably shouldn't have went. To be honest, like I know not wrong body boys around like that. I just don't think my heart was in it at that yeah. time to keep playing. Like and to travel down there and back and forth. I just didn't want to. Like you know, um, but yeah. So I, I probably shouldn't have signed for him. To be honest, like but. Um, Sometimes, probably in a way, you, you have to do that to, to make sure. Was No, uh, Martin Russell. Martin Russell. Yeah. To make sure, to make sure they are finished. Yeah, that's it what was I like that with Bray when I left Rovers for the last year as well. They weren't they really like when you think back in it now, you think I should have done that. Yeah. Way, but yeah. Yeah. The, and I was only, I was only 22, 23, like, you yeah. know, like, but I knew, I never, I never really felt the same after I left Rovers. Like, and I'm not just saying it because you're sitting here, or that, but you never, I never had that drive or enthusiasm that I had at that period of time. Like, to be honest, it was never really going to match the the runs that you went on. The no, two years it's just it's there. just the whole professionalism of mm. how how things were done, where the club was going. Uh, that 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 was kind of that was the real reason behind it. Like, but I went to met the club for uh, and I had interviewed for the under seventeen show, and that was the league was obviously only started at that time, and uh, and got the job. Like, you know, so. Uh, straight away, I knew then I was stopping playing. And would you take in a lot of 17s games as regards to DDSL and and lower and maybe 15s and 16s? Yeah, yeah. With a, with a yeah. view to signing players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Like, do we, do we, we'd have probably we'd have a good few of us that would do it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we'd have a couple of lads that would always be out watching uh, games and stuff like that. And then Royce would obviously be watching games, and we'd speak quite regularly on players that. Um, we like to try to get into Royce's group first, right? And uh, with a view to, to moving up to ours, yeah. And then with Shay Flynn, he says to you, Ada, he says, What's what does it feel like being in charge and being the manager run the line the Leinster Senior Cup match? And is it a sign of things to come? Yeah, it was brilliant to be fair. Like, the gaffer's been brilliant for that, like, you know, like he he, he sees that as an opportunity for not only players but for the staff to, to really get a taste for it and understand what, what's required, like, you mm. know what I mean, like, so. Um, he's happy for us as a group of coaches and, and, and to, to organise and plan and, and, and direct things for those games uh, and then our players are then getting opportunities to do that as well mm. like, you know, so we're, we're obviously some of the first team players that, that, that played in the last day mm. and this question comes in from Leighton Doyle is it true Edo shed a tear when the Belgard slash Cocos was demolished <laughs> last month? I heard you were seen with a bouquet of roses. Leighton Le- Le- would have experienced many of our nights that we had in uh, in Cocos when I was an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old. Like, you know, uh, they were good times, yeah. <laughs> so we'll move on to a bit of news. We Rovers 19s. They beat Athlone 3-1 in Tala in the Enda McGill Cup second round. New boy Luke Kelly Gave him a lead with a cracking goal and Dean Williams scoring a brace to second from the penalty spot. I'm hearing a lot about Luke Kelly. Yeah. He came from Collinstown, is that right? Collinstown, yeah. Senior yeah. football. Senior football. Uh, been hearing, obviously hearing a lot about him for a long time. Uh, we'd have Dean Carpenter and stuff that, that yeah. played for us is involved there and stuff like and 
and um, he's been keeping us keeping us posted on how he's doing and everything like that. And he's he's gone from playing sixteens to play senior football with Collins down for the second half of the season. Uh, and he's done really well. Went down and watched him a couple of times and stuff. And he was really impressive. Brought him into training and played a uh, training game for us. Scored a hat trick against uh, Drottle, I think it was. And uh, <laughs> yeah, got the opportunity to sign him when an awful lot of people were looking to sign him as well. So And now he's scoring in competitive yeah, games yeah, now yeah. as well. Really um, talented football. <coughs> what about Dean Williams? I'm hearing a lot about Dean. And uh, I've seen him play a couple of times and he's very tidy. Yeah, super player. He's very, very tidy. He, he's like... He's... he's uh, He's a bit like watching a Robbie Keane and stuff like that. You know that kind of like recognises when to come and play, recognises when he needs to stay away. For someone so small, he understands that. You, you know for a striker, and if you're coming in, you have to be in front. Like, But if you're in front too early, he's going to get smashed by the centre half. Like, yeah. So his time to come in to play is excellent. And that's, not, that's something he's just... He, he, he's himself. Like, yeah, he's understood that his size doesn't allow him to uh, to get kicked all the pitch all day long. Like, so, And his finishing is... It's exceptional, like I've said, it's finishing successful. And you've been drawn at home to Limerick in the end of McGill Cup quarter finals and away to the bottom club Wexford in the league on Monday. Yeah. Yeah, so UCD just won, just beat Bray. So now we're. They are now, what was it? Five points off. Five points off with two games in hand, so you're still well in there. And uh, is there a. And Dean Dillon. Sent out on loan, scored on his first appearance for Longford in a friendly with Oxford United. So, uh, how do you think Dean will do? Dean, I think Dean will be brilliant. He played last night, started for them last night. Uh, I think Neil Fennel will be brilliant for him because he's Neil's type of player. Would that be the now the Rovers connection to Longford goes back to when Tony Cousins was involved? It's been rejuvenated now that Neil Fenn. Would that be it, the link that? Yeah, I think I think uh, I think Neil actually done uh, a lot of his coaching badges with Shane Robinson, Steve McPhail. And, yeah. Uh, and they'd obviously know each other well and stuff like that. And because they've been struggling for goals, we played them a few times in pre-season friendlies and stuff. And obviously uh, they beat us in the EA Cup and stuff like that. Like, and I think it's no problem for Shamrock Rovers players to go and, and play on that near because you know you're still going to get a really good coach and, yeah. and a really good uh, playing playing style as well. So I've got a 17 result here. They beat Limerick five 0 on Tala. Oh, lovely. With a Lua hat trick. Pretty good. And um, next up for them is Cork away on Sunday the 22nd of July with a 3pm kickoff. And 15 results, day 1 2 1 in Cabo Tiri. Uh, Cabo led with 10 minutes left, bit of a long like, comeback here. Sinclair Armstrong with an equaliser and Sherry Gallagher with the winner. The last few what seconds. What about this fella Sinclair Armstrong we're hearing about? We're hearing yeah. he's supposed to be Sheha. Did you see the same against Celtic? No, no we didn't go to him. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he's like. Six foot odd. I pointed him out to the prof and said, yeah. Look at the days 15. Looked very suave. <laughs> yeah, he is. Glasses going it's quite a cool kid, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, no, he is. He is a, he's a real talent. And where did they get him from? Where was he he's, before he's, that? He was at Cherry Archers. Cherry Archers. And he's been with, he's been with us for the last three, two, three years now. So, yeah. And next up at 15 is Atlone at home on Sunday, July 22nd at 3 pm. And Atlone are the only team to take a point off the first boys this season. And uh, so we're going to go for the list of hatred. We said to the boys, Beforehand, we let them dwell in it. It can be anything. It can be a mentality. There's a pub in it. There's the drunken rabbit in Iceland. They reneged on our deal when we tried to get cheap points out. Of them. <laughs> they fucked us out. And as Maloney said, it was the biggest financial disaster since Brexit. Uh, the Dubliner ended up fucking making a fortune out of us. What else is on it? We've got the principal from the school beside Teller when it was being built. We've got all sorts of things on it. I'm going to go with goalkeeper warm ups. 
goalkeeper warm up. That's yeah. out of that's out of left field. Boy. Okay. Always why do they always like doing little volleys and why why is, what's this thing like where they doing little keep you upies between them like? No, I'm not having them. Like, yeah, so you rather than getting a couple of shots on them or whatever. Just warm up and be ready like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so goalkeeper warm up for me. Goalkeeper warm up. What do you want? Players thanking and apologising to fans on Twitter. Oh yeah. Winds me up no end. Really? <laughs> Big time. As regards to let's say uh, certain they situations. Didn't go for us tonight. Fans were brilliant. We'll go again next week. Yeah, no. Rex, me. In fairness, right? <laughs> me and the prop always say that we hate interviews from footballers because that's what we try to we try and ch- just smash it up a bit because it's like they have a handbook and they're giving yeah. out. They're going right here. Talk about oh, well, I got the goal, but it was all about the three points. <laughs> we'll move on. We'll go on to next week. But you you hate the Twitter side of things, yeah? I just hate people. First of all. I hate people apologising for a bad result or whatever else. It's just nonsense. They happen winning and losing all that kind of stuff. It's just all part of it. But so it's just like that type of player trying to ingratiate themselves with, you know, for whatever. Yeah. You know, it just that I can't stand it. And I like actually, you just see Twitter on a Friday night. It's just full of it. Like yeah. It's like, oh, fans, are <laughs> fans are brilliant. Fans are brilliant. Yeah, fans are always brilliant. Aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Right, so that's uh, goalkeeper warm-ups, and what, what, what are we ordering? The players apologising for Players apologising on Twitter boxes. is officially on the list of hatred. Alright, so we're going to get, what we do now is, this is something that we've changed up recently. Normally every week me and the prof give our starting 11s and our predictions of who we think should play. But uh, we had Mark Kenny and Kuzo in here recently, and that was very interesting. They picked their starting 11s and formations. I don't know if Brad would approve of Ado picking yeah, the team for this game. So. No, Ado has, has to be uh, political here and not picking that. <laughs> 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 I just came up and said it. Yeah, I'm not picking up. <laughs> <laughs> you got that court and it's all Brad's um, So we're going to go with Andy. Andy, we're going give, to give us your starting 11 and your predictions for AOK on Wednesday. Uh, start a prediction I think AIK will might win right um, I think actually if they had this the nil all is important when you're at home actually I think it is yeah uh, it just puts a bit of pressure on them time to start but uh, starting team you'd have to help me out here with one or two of these boys but Ethan Boyle uh, Ethan Boyle um, you'd start having a goal wouldn't you yeah yeah Um Left side is um, Kavanagh. Sean Kavanagh. Yeah. He's a guy actually, when I've seen him, he's the guy who looks like Fahey to me in the team. He shouldn't be playing in the. We, we, said about, we said that about him as well, but he's kind of he's kind of been on a bit of a low point in the last couple of weeks. He's, he's picked up his performances again, but he has so much ability, doesn't he? Yeah, he's serious. He's a couple of years there, in fairness, and when you look at him playing. Mm. Uh, Lee Grace. Who I'm very impressed with whenever I've seen him play. Actually, he's excellent, really good player. Um, gonna keep Joey in there. Joey, if he's fit. First of all, your formation. Are you gonna go for what's formation? Are you gonna go? I was. Uh, you're gonna go four five one or four two three one or whatever. Yeah, whatever morphs into. Gonna morph into a, probably a four five one when you're playing away in Europe. To be honest, um, maybe Joey for the he's, bit of experience and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you can see that the, probably the legs aren't like they, they are. The legs aren't there, um, but then 
that gives it that just that little bit of experience I think is important I think in he's European been brilliant as yeah. well, like, you know I agree um, Kusrayan uh, on the right two boys yeah two boys in the middle Greg the sitting two Greg and Sam yeah I don't know why you I don't think you would change that to be honest Greg's plenty of experience as mm. well Um I'm going to jump around here a bit. Dan and Carl up front. Yeah. You've got the defense there. I Are think. you going to play someone in the hole or are you going to play three midfielders? I think you're probably going to... You're not going to really play somebody in the hole, to be honest. You're probably going to play three midfielders. Yeah. You're going to try and get people up the pitch probably more from wider areas than from... Dylan Watts will play them. Dylan Watts, I think. Who's um, been... He'd suit the bill in fairness, yeah. wouldn't he? Yeah. He plays with a great tempo and stuff like that yeah. from him as well. He's it? just a comp. He's just not I have to say, like, I, I've seen him a couple of times and I've only seen him obviously in the games against Rovers this year for Bowsley, but he reminds me a bit like a Johan Caboy that's playing for, that was with Crystal Palace and Newcastle. That kind of football, he's a proper footballer. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he has another gear where, you know, you're talking about Fahey, like he steps yeah. into play. Like, oh, that's a, it's, it's the tempo of his like, play. He, he recognises when he can step. It's, yeah, yeah. I have to say, he's been very good. Very impressive. So you're just left with a left winger now, I think. Left winger. Um, so actually, I think she, uh, yeah. or right wing or whatever. We well, no, Brazil likes to switch them, doesn't he? Plays constrained the right. Um, we or, or, or is that it? Bond, Bolger, Finn, Watts, constrained. That's, 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 that's the five, isn't it? Oh, Finn, yeah, Finn. Finn started the game um, a little bit out left as well, mm. and then they kind of switched it up. Finn can equal record, by the way. European uh, appearances? 19 European appearances for Robert, set by Johnny Fulham. Johnny Fulham? So this would be Ron Finn's 19. That's significant, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's a huge yeah. stat, yeah. So uh, what's the what's the scoreline? What are you going to go with? I'd go with the same scoreline again, Yeah, probably. Maybe 1-0. Mm. Um, don't want that to happen, but I just think that goal is a... Is a killer, and I think sometimes the second legs as well of these games. I think either you probably remember some of the games as well. Sometimes they learn more than you learn mm. yeah. the first time round. Yeah, mm. and um, they're always a different animal at home, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, biggest example of that was the Cranus. They didn't show their hand at all until the second leg. Remember Copenhagen? If you remember that game as well, it was one nil away in Copenhagen. I think everybody thinking like they didn't have much there, um, you know. They, they did a three nil at home, like they did us. And uh, Thursday night actually reminded me of Copenhagen the way we started the game. Yeah, and we were brilliant in the atmosphere, and then they hit us with that goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's pinned in the balloon, like. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, so that's it. The two boys, and um, we have some stats here, probably. Well, that one I gave you as well. Plus, kind of a quirky stat. That was our first one nil home defeat. In Europe, since Garnick beat us in 1994, UEFA Cup. So every years. other time it's been either one all or nil two defeat or nil three or whatever. It's random. It's random. That actually wasn't mine, funny enough. That's Paul O'Connell's. Anyway, but here's the scary one. No League of Ireland club has ever lost a first leg at home. And gone through. Jesus Christ. Never Some been. That never is. been done. Listen, we like the book trends. Though. Nice to do it. Yeah. And it's a return to uh, Sweden for Danny Kerr because he was there last year playing in the fourth tier of Swedish football. He was who's he? Carl Stad. Go on, yeah. give us this one. Probably not dying, <laughs> not dying, tell us this. And my favourite stat of all time Gary has still never seen Rawr score 
and away goal in Europe. It's two we take the piss with Mick Cairns <laughs> in Iceland. Remember that? <laughs> two of us were standing at the top of the stand and we're like, right, there's a break and play, let's go. So we're legging it down. And two of us are just standing there going, yeah, this is grand. And then we hear a goal go in and two of us looked at it and we go, it's a fucking Rovers goal, guaranteed. <laughs> Went all the way to Iceland, Czech Republic. And he was in the Jacks for one and we didn't score on the other. Mm-hmm. So Waterford away on Sunday afterwards, six-pointer. I think we've had a bit of joy coming back from Europe and playing. We beat Dundalk 1-0 away last time, didn't we? Beat Balls 3-0 on the return from, I think, Juve. So it's a massive, massive game on mm-hmm. on Sunday. And uh, you were at the RSC earlier this te- earlier this season. Mm-hmm. You, you haven't been along to I can't, I can't remember the last time. So um, on that note, the Waterford now we need the Pat Scully bus story from Waterford 2007 yeah. <laughs> so Pat Scully bus story we don't look we don't, I don't know I don't know what the, I, I think the reason was something to do with training the night before that's what's sticking in my head because like, you, know? you were saying it training went, was terrible training the night before was terrible uh, I don't think the lads were thrown off the bus now I don't I'm not sure like anybody knows what <laughs> was the full reason they were thrown off the bus so part of me thinks that it was actually some of it was like Something needed shaking up, yeah, and that's how we shook it up. Like, yeah, yeah, they were the scapegoat. Like, so I remember we're, just sitting on that bus thinking, because it, it came so out of the blue. I remember just thinking out of that bus going, and how am I going to be thrown off the bus? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. where was it? Anyway. Where were we thrown off? Put you in still, put you in still, and so it wasn't that far away. Then. No, they always, that's where we used to meet the yeah. cars would be there, like, you know, right. so they actually didn't get onto the bus. All right, oh, they were sitting up on the bus and then they were taking off the bus. So you let was. everybody get onto the bus for, for for maximum effect. Yeah. Like, you know, he used to love a meeting on the bus coming home from a game, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can we down the back of the bus, like, you know? I'd have a big sit around and yeah. what would he be just talking about tactics or giving yeah, out? Just going through, going, going through. <laughs> can we confirm the three lads, though? Because we keep hearing. It was Deadsar. I think it was Deadsar. Jero. Jero. Oh, no, was Buzzer? It wasn't Buzzer. Boys Pisto and Dave McGill. Dave McGill, sorry, yeah. So the, so the three lads. So that's the official story. Bisto and the flood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he'd gone by then. He's with Sheriff now, I think. No, he, he was definitely. I don't think we saw him after that. I think he was only with us in 2006. I was, I was like, to be honest, most of uh, Buzzer stuck in my head. I don't know why Buzzer's in my head. Maybe just head because him. he's associated with them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's like, his good lad. That's like, a great problem. Yeah, that's great lad. You know, they were. If so, it was sort of surprising, even some of the guys, like, what's going on here? Broke me up, he scored two goals that night. <laughs> Podge made his debut, didn't he? Podge made his debut, yeah. Right, so, um, yeah, so we had an early one today. We're just about to finish. We had an early one today because it's, uh, the prof, you're going to Apre match in Vicar Street. Yep. And you're off the croaker. Controversial, controversial. I know it never goes down well with hoops. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Never, never it's does. I'm not supposed to be at a match against the ranch. <laughs> Oh yeah, what time is that kicking off? Five o'clock. Five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> She's more than late now. Yeah, jeez, I'm going to head down. We'll get, we get you out here. I don't think we're going to start anyway, though. <laughs> 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 right, so Thursday's going to be six o'clock kickoff in Dublin, 7pm in Stockholm. We're heading over on an early flight on Wednesday morning, 7.20, straight into Stansted or somewhere, Heathrow, Heathrow, and then we're, we'll be in the pub by three o'clock. So, uh, well... The prophet's looking at me all dodgy there. <laughs> he knows we're going to be well on the sauce beforehand. We're going to be. You'll drag me in. Yeah, so this is, I think this is our first time not traveling with a charter, so it should be interesting to see how lost we get. And uh, over 150 tickets sold for the second leg, so you get them at the Club Mega Store this week. 12 euro, so price of uh, one point in Stockholm, probably. And you can get your half and half scars while they're there, so the toy is still alive despite the prof 
stats. So uh, we're looking forward to it. We'll see it in Stockholm and nothing beats being there, remember. See so lads, thanks for coming in to join us. Thanks Bye.